Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the exceptional Scribble Show. I am your host, Sage, the poet, a.k.a. Francine Elizabeth Natal. It gives me great pleasure to come to you on again a Tuesday evening, and for today's date, it is May the 24th, and the time is 8.04 p.m., and I just need to share a little uh, information about a little, I guess you could say, bump in the road, per se, which did happen on this evening. Um, We did experience some technical difficulties prior to launching our recording for tonight. So I do want to say that amazing grace, how sweet the sound, truly has intervened on our behalf tonight. It seems like, I'm not sure why, but we did not have our our original or usual uh, system in acting or functioning uh, properly for some odd reason. But I looked at that as a sign to say if you don't have any troubles or any trials, don't expect victory. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are truly going to have a phenomenal, a phenomenal uh, broadcast, live broadcast on this evening. So, with that being said... I'm welcoming each and every one, welcoming our listening audience, also welcoming our feature artists for this evening, Brother and Mr. Reggie Morrow, who is the CEO of Morrow's Fine Photography and Video Studio, ladies and gentlemen. He, of course, will be the feature artist in the spotlight for this evening, and our topic will be photography capturing epic life moments on film, and our focus word phrase will be photo readiness because I'm sure a lot of people want to know, what do I need to do to acquire photo readiness? Mm -hmm. You know, there's those moments when the camera is aiming in your direction and you kind of freeze and your smile isn't straight, it's crooked, and... You're just not ready. Well, on tonight, you're going to get some helpful tips on what you can do to help you to be more photo ready for those hallmark moments in life. (laughs) Well, hello. Hello. Hi. Yes. Good evening. Welcome. Welcome. I was just sitting here listening to your 
wonderful, sultry voice um, across, <laughs> across the airways preparing oh, people you. for a wonderful evening of photography and good stuff. Oh, great. Well, I tell you, I'm so very happy that you're on the call. We can just, I guess, we'll just go with the flow, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I do have a question. Sure. Um, the PIN number was not working for me. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I, it, the, the PIN number that you sent me, um, with somebody else was trying to log on to that PIN number too. But if, how does it work if you're if you're not a, a normal member? Right. Okay, um, good just... question as well, and I'm glad you asked because we always have first-time listeners. So mm -hmm. what happens is you call the call-in number, which is 724-444-7444, and then you'll hear a voice prompt. The voice prompt mm -hmm. will uh, request that you would key in the show's ID number. The show's ID number is 133193, and then you would press the pound key. After you do that, the voice prompt will ask if you're a TalkShoe member to key in the PIN number, and if you're not a TalkShoe member, to uh, press 1. And so right. if you're not a TalkShoe member, you would press 1, and then you would press the pound key. Right. And after that... Um, That's how I got on. Right. You You will be connected. Yes, sir. And thanks right. for asking that question because you just helped a lot of people <laughs> that are calling <laughs> yeah. in for the first, yes, it, you right. know, I think it's, well, and it's tricky for all of us, even for, for members for the first time, just doing a setup. <laughs> We're like, yeah, okay, you got to go through it like maybe two or three times. A lot of people don't do conference calls. A lot of people mm -hmm. are not aware of how it, it generally works. And um, that's true. And so, yeah, but anyway, we're connected and yes, we are. So um, once again, in the event that somebody wants to call in, all they yes. basically have to do is dial the number that you yes. said, and they can skip the pin, but go to right. one and then pound, right? They will press one and then pound. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Okay. All righty, then. Well, yeah. good enough. And now okay. one other question. Mm -hmm. If people want to hear it online, does do they hear it online or does it? Um, what goes on on the computer with this? And that's another good question. For those who would like to hear the show live online via just their computer, you can uh, connect via live stream. If you go to www.talkshoe.com, and uh, once you search under that title, you will load up to the main page. After that, you would need to type in the ID number for the show because there's a lot of shows on TalkShoe.com, but mm -hmm. the Exceptional Scribble Show has the following ID, which is mm -hmm. 133193. I repeat, 133193, six digits. Once you key that in, it will take you to the homepage for the Exceptional Scribble Show. And then they can listen live. Okay. Or connect via the chat room. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, I take it that you want to know a little bit about me. Yes. <laughs> and and we'll start with a little. Yes, okay. you can uh, serve some appetizers. 
to sports <laughs> order. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm a, I'm gonna la- I'm gonna wait until you ask the questions then. Okay. Um, yeah. Let me wait till you ask because you know I, I'm I'm a little shy when it comes to this kind of stuff right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I, I tell you, before before this interview is through, you will feel very much at home. You'll take your socks off and you'll be kicked back all and right. reclining just like you've been doing this all all the while since all we've right been on. So, I'm going well, to take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Right now, by taking my shoes off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good. Good. That makes two of us. Right. So this will be a good one. Well, we'll start off with saying um, first and foremost, how young were you when you first handled a camera and or, you know, made the attempt to do some picture taking? Okay. Um, well, I, I was uh, not too young, but mm-hmm. I was, uh, I think I was around 19, around 19 mm-hmm. years old. I, um, I, was all, I was always fascinated with cameras, but back then, you know, no one had any money um, mm-hmm. to get a camera. So one, no, not too many people thought about the um, the ramifications of the art of photography. So uh, myself, um, I, you know, I just never thought about even purchasing a camera. Hold on one second. Sure. Okay. There was a. It was a buzzing noise, irritating me. Okay. Um, but anyway, when I was around 19 years old, my brothers and I, we were traveling all across the country singing. And, mm-hmm. and one of my brothers, he, he mentioned to me that he would like to have a camera for his birthday. Uh-huh. So he was turning 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And the money that we were making on the road, I took some of it, and I bought him a Polaroid camera, a very good one. Mm. And he uh, started taking pictures of everything we did, everywhere we went, you know, <laughs> okay. everybody that we was with. Um, I mean, in a given week, he he might have had like 200 Polaroid pictures stacked up. Mm-hmm. And I found, I found myself wanting to hold the camera <laughs> more than him. And he was like, you bought this camera for me. I says, I know, but, man, this is really, really fun. Mm. And it was just the art of creating, you know, the images and, um, you know, shooting it different ways, different style, holding the camera different ways, getting different angles and things like that that sort of fascinated me. Mm -hmm. So 19 was the first time I actually put my hands on a camera. And then uh, later on in life, after I got married, um, I think I was around 27 when I got married, and around that time I was able to get – no, no, actually it was just before I got married. My sister handed me a camera, mm. and she was going to Temple University at the time. She handed me a camera, and she did not like like it at all. In fact, she mm. she took a photography course, and her professors told her to buy this book and mm. this type of camera – and these types of supplies. Well, mm-hmm. she only took the course as a filler, you know. She oh, okay. thought it would be an easy course. Well, to her amazing surprise, it was a little harder than she thought. And she uh, remembered me liking cameras. So she asked me, she said, would you like this camera? You want this camera? I said, sure. So she gave me a book and a camera. 
And the book, it, it, it had to be written by Einstein or somebody because there were so many equations and et cetera in this book that I really didn't understand the book. Okay. So um, as time went on, I was able to, um, you know, tiptoe into the actual learning of photography and, and the actual art of photography. And I, I really learned it from, um, from, from scratch pretty much. And um, I started taking very good pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through a lot of film. I went through a lot of money to get a good exposure. Because back then mm-hmm. there were no such thing as taking a picture with a digital camera and looking at it to see if it was right. You know, and if right. it wasn't, you can yeah. lighten it or darken it. You can fix it right there in the camera. Well, there was no such thing as that. You had to, I had to wait until my pictures were literally developed at the lab. And sometimes that took two weeks, you know. So, wow. you know, the curiosity always just, like, got the best of me. Mm. I'm like, I wonder how this picture came out, you know. So in time, I was able to take a picture, and I knew exactly how it was going to be. In time, I was able to walk into a room and not with no, no camera in my hand just to look at the lighting in the room, and I'll, I'll say to myself, well, this room, this this will be perfectly exposed at a, at a, uh, a f 2.8, you know, at a 60th of a second, you know, with an ISO or ASA film speed of 400, you know. And, you know, so God blessed me with the ability to obtain a perfect exposure uh, way before digital cameras even came out. And um, so, yeah, I mean, and then I matriculated from there uh, into buying myself well my sister had a professional camera but there were much better cameras like the Nikons and you know etc and I, eventually I moved on up into um, getting myself a pro camera and, <laughs> and I mean I got some stories of, of how I got my <laughs> first one if you want to hear it you know but you know, I'm certainly glad to tell you. But I'll wait for the next question. <laughs> okay. Thanks for the background information on your age when you first hand, handled a camera and how you came about even discovering that photography was truly a gift that you possessed. It's amazing yeah. how um, uh, sometimes it's not always something that you, uh, you know, like people say they was born with it in their hand per se. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we can sometimes navigate throughout our lives and just, um, like you said, you bought the gift for a brother. And mm-hmm. you started um, handling the camera more than he was handling mm-hmm. it and discovered that, hey, you had the art, you had mm-hmm. the knack, the, the raw talent to be a photographer. Mm-hmm. And it is an art to it. And can you touch on maybe there was someone that I guess they inspired mm-hmm. the photographer in, inside of you that was there all the time, but you just didn't know it. Yeah. Um, who would you accredit to as being a mentor or just uh, someone that helped to unpackage your gift mm-hmm. of being an artist in that regard as a photographer? Well, um, there were a couple people, but the um, mm. the first gentleman, he was a photographer at 
my church, which is Evelyn Gray's uh, Evelyn Gray's Ministries Church, mm-hmm. um, better known as Evelyn Gray's Drama Association. Yeah. Um, that was my church at the time. There was a gentleman that used to come through there. He was a much older gentleman, mm-hmm. and he would t- he would take all the pictures for all the events. And you know, and I was messing around with a camera, but they didn't think I was professional enough, and neither did I for the for the most part. So I never got uh, I never felt any kind of way because this guy was taking all the pictures. Okay. I I, I took it as a um, an opportunity to learn. Mm-hmm. So I shadowed him. You know, I shadowed him and I watched what he did, you know, and I watched how he handled himself, how he handled the children. And and he and I, we became good good friends, you know, good mm-hmm. friends. He, Like I said, he was a much older gentleman. He probably was at the time in his late 60s. He was he was way up there. And, and he walked slow, you know. He didn't have a camera bag. He carried his cameras in a shopping bag. Wow. And I just found him to be rather intriguing. Mm-hmm. So I would pick his brain. So one day he asked me. He said, "He said, are you a professional?" I said, "I don't." I said, "I can't answer that question. I'm not quite sure what would make me a professional." He said, right. "The moment you make some money." And I said, "Wow, I made five dollars mm-hmm. last week by taking a uh, five by seven picture and blowing it up and and, and selling the five by seven picture." So he right. said, "Well, you're a professional then." So that right there encouraged me. And, you know, and right after he asked me that, he said, what kind of you film you use? I told him the type of film. I use. He said, wrong film. He, <laughs> said, what do you, he says, what kind of camera you got? He said, wrong camera. I mean, everything he asked me, he corrected me and, and led me to the right thing and the um, right equipment to get and the right film to get. And, and, you know, so he more or less took me under his wing and mentored me. And I never, never got offended, you know. And at that point, at that time, I may have had an amateur's camera in my hand for about a year, maybe, maybe even two, but not all the time, you know. Okay. So, because um, during those two years, I became more and more and more enthusiastic about photography, and um, so, you know, he was one of the, one of the uh, gentlemen, and that that, uh, and you know, I really can't remember his name. But, um, you know, because what happened with this guy, it, it really was a tragedy. He, uh, I used to take him home. Mm-hmm. I used to take him home a lot when I would see him, you know. And he told me once, he says, yeah, he says, I can't drive. Um, and the guys in this neighborhood, they jumped on me twice and stole my wow. cameras, mm-hmm. you know. So... You know, I when he told me that, I you know, every time I saw him, even if it was on the street, and I used to see him a lot on the street, uh, I would always, like, take him home. So an event came up at the church, and he wasn't there. And um, I asked people, where was he? Nobody knew. So a week or so later, I asked around again, and they said, oh, wow, he passed on. I said, mm. what? He passed on? What do you mean? You know, so they said that a bunch of guys jumped on him, and they did the same thing to him. They jumped on him and beat him, you know, beat him to death and stole his camera equipment. Oh wow! Yeah. So, and then uh, from there, there were some great guys that uh, mentored me. Um, there was one gentleman. Named, 
one gentleman named Kenneth Sears. Kenneth Sears was one of the most fantastic photographers with personality that I've Mm -hmm. ever met in my life. And Ken Sears, he he took me under his wing. He liked me. And he Mm -hmm. was a celebrity photographer. This guy had a reputation all across Philadelphia. And and one of the girls in the group that I used to sing with, I used to sing with this group called the, the Grave Singers. And okay. one of the young ladies, she, she got married. Yes. She hired Ken Sears. And at that time, I had a camera in my hand, you know, for a few years. And when she got married and she didn't ask me to do her wedding, I did feel some kind of way. Mm. So, <laughs> but I, I took it as... Um, I made lemonade out of it as opposed mm-hmm. to the lemons that was fed to me. Yeah. And I followed Ken Sears around the wedding, and I just, I mean, I watched everything he did. I sat in the back of the wedding, watched mm-hmm. how he shot this wedding, and um, and when he went to the park, I followed them to the park. When he came back to the reception, he was taking more pictures, and I was, I was I was I was sitting there shadowing him so much they had to come and get me because I we had to sing at the reception. <laughs> it was like brother Reggie, come on, we got to sing. I was like, oh, oh, okay, all right. So anyway, right after singing, I went back and I just followed Ken Sears, and I wanted to sit next to him, but um, it it just it just didn't work out that way, you know. Okay. And a year later, I got a chance to see Mr. Sears again, and uh, one of the, the girl that got married in my group, her favorite girlfriend, had a 10th anniversary, wedding anniversary, and, and Ken Sears was hired to do the photography. Well, when I saw him there, I asked him, could I sit next to him? So when I sat next to him, we became very good friends. And from that point on, I was moving um, in my business of photography, and I was obtaining a lot of work. And Ken was doing the same thing. So when he got over-inundated, he would call me to do some of his jobs. When I okay. got over-inundated, he would come and shoot my jobs for me. And um, so we became good friends. And then he wound up introducing me to people like uh, Irv Washington. Irv Washington is the proprietor of um, Essence of Photography you know, mm. up in uh, Mount Airy, where Irv took me under his wing. And he's another great photographer, and he taught me a lot. And I've worked for him. I did proms for him. I did weddings for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, But all at the same time now, I'm building my own business. My clientele right. base was strong as theirs was for the most mm-hmm. part. But I was in West Philly, and they were in uh, North Philly and uh, West Oak Lane or East Oak Lane, way up there somewhere. Okay. But, um, you know, developed a wonderful relationship with photographers all over the city of Philadelphia, cats that knew what they were doing, people that mm-hmm. knew the business, you know, people like um, uh, Thurman. Thurman, uh, I worked for Thurman for okay. a while. I remember and, Thurman Studios. I had my uh, senior portraits done there. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And um, so, yeah, there was a lot of mentors, you know, in my life, a lot, a, a, quite a bit of them. And they were all older than me, and I just, they took a liking to me. They liked my attitude. They liked my work ethics, mm-hmm. and um, and they liked my creativity. Yeah. Right. You have quite a, a portfolio. And mm-hmm. um, how many years would you say it, it took for you to get mastery of the basics, the well, foundation? Um, I would say... I would say maybe about 
maybe about 10 years, yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, let's see. Probably about a good 10 years, maybe 12, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I say that because uh, I believe I, I, opened, I opened my studio up in 94. So a good 10 years prior to that, that's when I became a professional, you know. So, you know, oh, okay. I, I consider myself as a professional, like, in 84, 84, maybe even earlier, maybe 1982, you know, that's when I, when I, when I really start mastering the art of photography, 82. 82. And so, you know, it's been quite a few, quite a few years now. So, mm. it's moving and grooving and, you know, times change, the, the digital era has changed the whole business right. of photography. <laughs> it really has, you know, because everybody's out there where they think they're photographers now. And, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part, the equipment that you can purchase it does make people out of photographers because basically they're point and shoot cameras. Now, right. Would you say it can make you a photographer overnight? No. Absolutely <laughs> okay. <not>. No. Because <laughs> there's a lot. More I heard to it that. Just, no. You know, there's so much more to it than just pointing and shooting. And I, and, okay. and I, I say that I say that um, I, I say everybody thinks they're photographers now because you know when you get a, a picture that's perfectly developed. People mm-hmm. think they are photographers, but it, when you're working certain jobs, you don't have second chances. Certain mm-hmm. jobs, you you cannot uh, make an excuse if your lighting is off. You know, um, right. One of the things that that I try to tell people because you have an automatic camera and you think you can go out and shoot a wedding, um, you you might be in for a rude awakening simply behind the fact that automation is set for. Um, the, the dominant color in in a picture, and that's how the automation starts. In other words, mm. if you're looking at a uh, let's say an African American bride that is let's say she's or a bride and groom, and they're both dark, and they both have on white, or even the white the bride has on a a, a beautiful big white wedding gown, where well, the camera is going to read the white, and what it will do automatically is darken the picture to bring the whites up uh, where you can see the detail in the white dress. And what consequently happens, the picture will go so dark and the subject, the skin tones, will be darker than they're supposed to be. So this is why it's important to know how to set your camera and every atmosphere and, and, and every lighting situation is different you know so you have to know that in your head you just can't go automation and think mm-hmm. that you're going you're to get the best um, situation out of uh, a picture yeah so would that be the part which is referred to as the et- editing part well et- editing is another part editing okay. is something you would do um, after you shoot the actual picture you know they call that post editing and um, your post-editing is something that a lot of people are, are, are pretty good on the computers, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I know I know a guy who's very good on the computers. He can fix up all the, 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 the messy pictures. Okay, right. <laughs> well, you know, and so, you know, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I, I've always been a um, stickler for taking a very good picture from the door 
That way you do not have to do much in the computer, you know, unless you just want to get fancy and do some special effects or something like that. But, I um, see. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's good, I'm sure, for our listeners hearing that because a lot of times uh, people, they want photographers that they can depend on that oh. are reliable, that know when is a good take, when to take that, mm-hmm. that uh, you know, to take the picture mm-hmm. and um, not to miss capturing a hallmark moment, especially exactly. when you consider events like your weddings and yeah. uh, christenings, baptisms, you know, these right. uh, events of great significance in a person's life. That's so right. um, what happens when you think that the take, the photo is the perfect photo, but then when you review it, you find out that it's not what you thought. Well, I always How do you say, deal with that? As a perfectionist, how do you deal with that? <laughs> well, this, this, then this goes back to getting that, that perfect picture or shooting for that perfect picture the first time. If you do that in everything that you do, don't rely on a computer. Don't rely on um, what a lab can do for you to fix your fix your mess up. If you right. if if you go after the very best and be a perfection from the door, then those types of images will be less and less. But say it does mm. happen now. Um, now and and I was looking at some stuff. And good answer, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, Very good thank answer. you. Thanks for asking. Now I was looking at some pictures today that I hadn't looked at since they were taken, and they were taken two years ago. And and uh, so when I was looking at them today, they were they were out of focus, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, but but what what happened during the, that series of pictures that were taken? First of all, I wasn't taking them all. You know, somebody else was taking them. We were sharing the camera. Blah 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 blah. And right. um, but we made a, I, I, we 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 took a lot of pictures at that time, you know, um, mm-hmm. just just in case. So, uh, let's say out of a series of four pictures of the same situation, just a little bit of movement, you know, a little turning, this here and there. Um, out of four pictures, I was averaging two good ones, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and it was a it was a it wasn't it wasn't a job. It was like on, we were on vacation. You know, we were on vacation. So, you know, I wasn't, you know, 100% on my game and okay. we were relaxing and just, but where we were, I didn't want to miss no pictures, you know. In fact, i be honest with you, I, I, we were in Vietnam, you know. Mm. So we were in some dark places and and um, we went from light to dark almost in a, in a heartbeat, you know. So, and I'm passing the camera to my wife. And, you know, then she'll pass it back to me. So um, checking all of my settings as as thoroughly as I should have, um, I didn't do that because I was in relaxed mode. Okay. But fortunately, you know, I, I, I got, uh, well, it was, it was, it might have been only um, maybe three, about three different situations where 50% of the pitches and and when I say fifty percent, I'm talking about maybe two or three pictures were out of focus, mm-hmm. and for the most part, everything else is beautiful. Um, but yeah, when you do find that to be a situation, as a matter of fact, 
It was a couple of those pictures that I that I thought was out of focus, and so I said, I like the image though. I like, you know, what's going on in the actual picture. So I put it on the computer, and I took the computer to uh, to edit. I wanted to edit this picture, so I yeah. went, I, I just I I I gave it. Um, I, I lit I lit the picture up. I made my colors nice and nice and bright. You know, I made my my light uh, nice and bright with deep deep depth in my um, in my um, uh, what do you call it uh, in, in 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 my grain. I had um, I made well the, the the pictures actually the pictures came out real good. I did a lot of work on it. But it came out real good, and I sharpened the picture. You know, I sharpened the picture, and um, I, I gave it more definition. And I took a picture that was literally a little out out of focus, and made it focus. I brought it, wow. I brought it back. I couldn't believe it. Or this, this or this, a uh, couple of those pictures, I brought it back, and um, they're beautiful. You know, they're beautiful mm-hmm. pictures. So, to answer your question in a nutshell, if a picture comes out bad after you look at it. After, you know, when you sit down at the end of the day, you know, there are a lot of things you can do it. One is put it on the computer. And if you got the right program, you can fix it up. You know, you have a lot of great programs out there. You know, Mm -hmm. top one is Photoshop. People have been using Photoshop for years to doctor up pictures. But there's a lot now that, um, that a lot of companies are offering and you can really, really you know, save your picture. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, you just saved somebody's uh, career of <laughs> <laughs> being an amateur photographer. Because, you know, sometimes we're our own worst critic. Mm-hmm. And if that photo doesn't come out just right, we're ready to throw in the towel. We're like, you know, I guess this is just not for me, you know? Right, you know? right. <laughs> so I, I loved how you answered that. Thank you so much. Um, we have a caller, and I'm just going to announce this is this is a uh, caller. Their uh, ID is showing up as guest three. Um, uh-huh. Guest three joined us, I would say, about maybe 10 minutes ago. I usually like oh. to open up the call lines at about 830. It's now 837. Okay. So I'm going to welcome them to join the conversation. Uh, welcome. Welcome, caller. Please announce your name and where you're calling from. Welcome, caller. Welcome to the Exceptional Scribble Show. I'm seeing you as guest three. Welcome, call. Caller. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Hi. Oh, yes. Can you hear? Uh. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Actually, I was just listening in. This is Reggie's other half. This oh, is Renee. Wow. Hi, Dr. Renee. Welcome. <laughs> Thank so you. glad you're listening in. And um, by the way, uh, to the listening audience, this is Mrs. Morrow and uh, Dr. Renee Morrow. And she's also running. I hear that you're running for a political office. Could you share 
with our listening audience about that. And um, we do wish you the very best, of course, in your campaigning. Well, thank you so much, and good evening to you yes. and the listeners. Yes, You're I'm welcome. running for council in Ward 4 in Monroe Township, which actually encompasses districts 4, 5, 8, 11, 15, 21, and 25. Um, I am actually in the long stretch, or I should say the short stretch. Oh, okay. <laughs> election day. Election day is June the 7th, and I'm really excited. I believe that part of this whole journey is not part of it is God-ordained. It's all Mm God-ordained, but part of this journey is really for a greater purpose than just taking an office. Yeah. And and if you know anything, well, at least in New Jersey, if you know anything about the compensation for political positions, it's very minimal. So this is not something I'm doing for monetary gain. I'm not doing it for a title. I really am. As my husband, we're very concerned about our community, and I just want to see it continue to grow and thrive. And if I can add something to that from my little toolbox, from my 35 years of um, experience working with diverse groups of people, and a broad array of professional knowledge, and if I can add anything to that mission, then I give God the glory for that. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, is is it Monroe County or Monroe Township? No, it's Gloucester County, Monroe Township. Mm -hmm. Oh, Gloucester County. (laughs) Well, we know that they are truly fortunate to have you, Um, I can tell just from the things that you express verbally that it is a passion. This is a mission as to yes. why you're running. And uh, that that says a lot right there. So we know that you are definitely going to be that public servant to that community, and they are so fortunate to have you. Did you uh, list that there are seven districts that you would uh, be over Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> yes. Awesome. And you counted very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my. <laughs> Good number, <Yes>. too. <laughs> yeah. And it's very broad and vast. And, you know, I've been teasing because, you know, we've mm. been living in Monroe Township for 16 years now. Oh, and okay. I have, yeah, I have discovered some new areas since I've been on this campaign. <laughs> that right. I didn't know this of you know billy goats and chickens and <laughs> you know all kinds of animals and love farms and and just mm. stories I picked up from people some sad stories I come home and pray about and happy mm-hmm. stories so it's been really really an interesting journey. Oh my! It sounds like and it sounds like you're enjoying every step <laughs> of the way on this journey. And that's well, that's what makes it worthwhile. <laughs> that's true. I'm exhausted, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what are what are your uh plans, I guess, after the campaigning and all is behind you and the election and everything? Um, what what would the first project be? I guess that would be the best question. What would the first project be that you're going to tackle or take on? Well, I have four areas of concerns, so I'm not quite sure. 
Is that us? I'm going to turn my volume down. Oh, yeah, we have, I have four areas of concern. Of course, stabilizing taxes, but in New Jersey, I mean, everybody's heard about how high the taxes are in New Jersey. But the piece that people tend to miss is that 50%, 56% of our taxes actually goes to the school board. The school. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So it goes to the school. So those things, so that we can't really touch. So then right. we're operating with, the, you know, with what is left, and then we have to, of course, um, account for fire and police and all that. So mm-hmm. minimizing taxes is not necessarily a reality, but I believe we can stabilize the taxes so mm-hmm. that um, we can better manage what we're doing. And I, just in short, I'm really big, however, on transparency in government. Okay. I believe, yeah. I believe when we know better, we can do better. And when we know what our elected officials are doing, we can hold them at a higher level. But guess what? We're holding the whole community at a higher level. Right. You know? <laughs> it goes both ways. I love that. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yes, and it, indeed. And it's sort of, you know, the research says you kind of create this race to the top. So... Mm-hmm. When people know you're looking at them, now everybody's trying to get on their best game. <laughs> so that's, so that's something I'm really concerned about. And I'm in substance abuse. You may have heard how mm-hmm. New Jersey, especially Williamstown, is is um, suffering from this heroin addiction. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And that breaks my heart. But mm-hmm. I really believe we just don't have. And I'm not saying this is the magic bullet, but mm-hmm. I don't believe we have enough constructive, productive activity and things to do for mm-hmm. our young people in Williamstown. We don't have parks for them mm-hmm. or, just like I said, activities, events, jobs, something yes. that will get them productively engaged. Because yes, you know what, what the cliche says, you know, right. idle mind is About the, the idle devil's workshop. Right. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thank you for giving us uh, some of your time and sharing with us as to your sentiments and what you are passionate about and and what you will be uh, thrusting forward to uh, establishing uh, once we're we're going to claim <laughs> once Amen. you are elected. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, you have vision and, and a vision that. Um, we'll keep the people from perishing. So we thank you. Thanks so much for thank the, you. of your time. And, and I'd just like mm-hmm. to say thank you for your outreach to the community. We need more programs, venues, and people like you. So thank you. Oh, thanks so much. Wow. <laughs> wow, that meant a lot. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, well, welcome back. Um Reggie yeah, tomorrow. Reggie's back. I'm I'm back. Let me turn my volume back up a little bit. Uh-huh. Yes, and um I must say, um, my wife, she is a very unique individual and I am so blessed to have her because mm-hmm. we we the between the two of us, nothing there's never a dull moment, you know. Never a dull moment. <laughs> okay. You know, she likes to keep things going, positive things going. And I do too. So, you know, we literally have a very creative household over here because mm-hmm. um I don't, I'm not sure if your listeners know, but you know, we um my wife is, you know, she's an ordained minister like she says, and she certainly divides the word of God um in truth. Mm-hmm. And it's just she's just really good. When she speaks, 
you know, you listen. You know, when she breaks that yeah. word down, you listen. And um, she hasn't been gifted to sing, but she was gifted to preach and dance. And mm-hmm. our daughters, our daughters, um, they they have they have it all. You know, when I say this, <laughs> they can sing, they can dance. You know, they the best of both well. worlds. Yeah, they <laughs> dance, yeah, they sing, the music, everything. Or right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, um, and I tell people this all the time. I say, well, they get they get one thing from from me, and that's singing. But they get all the <laughs> poise, their beauty, you know, their good looks, their uh, charisma. Mm-hmm. They get all of that from you know, uh, Minister Dr. Renee Morrow. <laughs> oh, that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Hearing that coming from the husband about the wife, that's yeah. awesome. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, I have to ask this question. Um, having uh, been acquainted with your family, has, has, has the Morrow family ever considered doing like a TV uh, show, reality show, you know how a lot of these families are uh, doing such things, you know, having every, like you have the Braxton sisters and yeah. um, so many different fam- families. You have the uh, Preachers of L.A. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> just well, a question. <laughs> just well, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. have been, we have been approached. Okay. Um, that we've been approached um, uh, on, on, a, on a couple occasions. You know, I think it had to be about this before. Well, one of my daughters, uh, listening audience, she sang with Lady Gaga for two years. She had okay. opportunity to travel, travel all around yeah. the world. So, but prior to that, um, my four of my girls, they had a group. They called themselves Bella, you know, mm-hmm. Bella mm-hmm. V, and that means beautiful life in Italian. And mm-hmm. um, we were approached. Well, they were approached actually. You know, for a reality show back. Back then, well, oh, okay. They were approached, but then they didn't get. They then they were sort of denied. Now, how that happened? When when they try to put these shows together, they mm-hmm. look for a lot of sensationalists. You know, oh, they, okay. They like they like drama. You know, mm-hmm. and may it be, you know, negative drama. You know, uh, pot. They like they like the variance. They like the extreme drama, very negative, very positive, and everything in between. Okay. Well, they interviewed our daughters, and they interviewed each one of them over the phone mm-hmm. and, and and in person, and they interviewed them as a group. They in, interviewed them individually. They couldn't find no negative drama in their life. Oh, you know? okay. Wow. And that's why they weren't accepted back mm. then. Mm-hmm. Now, after so they that, were too positive, right? Too, too positive, right. <laughs> yep. Too positive, and um, then later on, uh, my my daughter Jasmine, she's pursuing her career as a solo artist, and she chose not to do reality shows, and okay, um, and because for the most part, reality shows, the the majority of people that do these things, their their career kind of plummets. You know, mm. so she chose not to do that, you know, because she didn't want, she just didn't, she didn't like all that negative publicity, negative drama, mm-hmm. you know, even though they, they're not going to find that in order anyway. But, you know, sometimes they bring people into 
the show that might create, you know. Right, right, uh, exactly. So she's not that kind of girl, you know, so she didn't want to do that. And, um, you know, and, I mean, she was accepted on the Kelly, Kelly uh, the mm-hmm. Chase and Destiny show. She okay. was accepted, She was accepted on that, but she chose not to do it. And I'd rather not say why mm-hmm. at this time. You right, know, but, okay. Um, she was one of the girls selected, you know, up, up in New York, you know, when they mm-hmm. first started up in New York. And Kelly Rowland called her and talked to her personally. But after, um, after you know, a while checking things out, she chose okay. not to do it. You know? mm-hmm. So, you know, I had to respect, we had to respect her uh, her opinion in that and, uh, right. and support her and support her. And tonight she's in she's in New York tonight performing. She's actually on tour. She's doing a tour, um, and her tour started in New York. So it's her mm-hmm. and my um, my baby girl Morgan, because Morgan dances okay. behind her, and Ingrid, and Ingrid mm-hmm. um, dances behind her. So they're yeah. touring right now. So they they're going to be in Philadelphia in a couple of days. They're going to be at the TLA. You know. Okay. And well, you can put, yes, please, share all the details. We want all the information published. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, and, for um, our listeners, thanks. Yes, I'm going to put it on Facebook. You know. Okay. And, and for your listeners, if you guys want to, um, if you want to befriend me on Facebook or you want to go to my page, you know, that's Reggie Morrow uh, on Facebook, and you can see some of the images that I've created over the years. I mean, it's, it's actually literally like 40,000, 50,000 images that I've created in the last two years. And um, so I can't put everything on there. So I just thought it's to give you an idea of the, of the, of the uh, quality and the variance of photography and creativity that, um, that I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you share with our listening audience a little about your visit to Asia? I understand that you did take a trip to Asia, and mm-hmm. um, you saw so many uh, wonderful things. And if you can yeah. share somewhat of what that okay. was like for you, as a, even from a photographer's uh, perspective. Yes. What that um, Asia was, was very unique. You know, it was a uh, a place of diversity. You know, you had... You had rich, you had poor, and I mean, even like a block apart, you know, um, you know, you might have a billionaire, you know, and then right next door to him, you'll have someone homeless. Um, We went to Singapore, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Vietnam. um, Oh, my goodness. We went to about eight eight or nine different countries. I can't think of them all right now because we're running out of time. But... um, on my Facebook page, I did put some pictures when we were in Vietnam. We went to Vietnam, and Vietnam always intrigued me because um, a lot of my friends, they went to Vietnam, and a few of them didn't come home. And it was during my era, you know, but and I was uh, part of the lottery system, and my number never got called. But while we were in Vietnam uh, visiting, we got a chance to see how they live now, and they, those people are are poor, you know, but they make do, you know. Um, I've actually, we actually witnessed whole families riding on one scooter, you know, mm. 
I believe I posted on Facebook, um, I did capture a picture of a family of four all on one on one little scooter. Wow. And they drive so fast on their scooters in and out of traffic with big trucks, giant trucks. I mean, one small mistake and, and you know, a whole family can get killed by mm. a truck. Um, while we were there, we went to a place called, uh, we went to several places, but this one place really intrigued me a lot. It was called Coochie, Vietnam. Coochie, Vietnam started building the tunnels that the Viet Cong and North Vietnamese were known for and the guerrillas were known for. And they started building tunnels when the French was over there um, in their country in 1948, right after World War II. Well, they built these tunnels and they spiderweb throughout the whole country of Vietnam. They even, Coochie, Vietnam is around maybe 50 miles away from Saigon. Um, and and then maybe even more, maybe about 50 or 60 miles. Well, these people literally built tunnels all the way from Coochie into Saigon. And in 1968, they had what you call the Tet Offensive. And that was um, that. And most of the soldiers that were fighting the South Vietnamese and the Americans, they came up out of the ground from these tunnels during the Tet Offensive. Now the Ted Holiday, it's it's that's exactly what it is. It's their biggest. It's it's the Vietnamese biggest holiday. It's like our Christmas. Oh. So they were celebrating. Every the Americans were celebrating. Everybody was just chilling, having a good time, enjoying this um, national holiday. Well, um, the Viet Cong and, and North Vietnamese and the guerrillas they came up out of the tunnels and attacked. Uh, South Vietnam, South Vietnam, and really almost took the country. They almost took the countries, but the Americans mobilized after losing so many men, mm-hmm. and they, they mobilized and they were able to push um, the enemy back. Well, we went down into some of these tunnels, and wow. you talking about claustrophobia. Mm. Now, I, I don't, I don't get claustrophobia very easy, and and. And um and but we went down to these tunnels. I couldn't stay down there no more than about five minutes. And we were walking through the tunnels and I had to come up out of there because you know, it just wasn't for me. But imagine these people, they walked those tunnels for miles on miles on miles on miles. And under those grounds they had hospitals, they had uh weapon factories where they actually took old American unexploded um, um, bombs and and remade oh, them goodness. and used wow. them against us. Mm. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was something, you know. So we got we took pictures of that. I'll I'll be posting some of some of that stuff on Facebook as well. Okay. So, um, yeah. Any awesome. more questions? Yeah. Well, um, you've given us so much information. Thanks. <laughs> for sharing, and uh, even uh, you've educated us as well. As for photography, there were some details you shared uh, that I know for many of us, if we've never studied photography and we don't have that uh, classical uh, background as for education and we are not as technical as to the knowledge we do have about photography, we would not have been able to follow you. <laughs> right. There were some things you said it went right over my head. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> uh, that's okay. That's okay. Well, yes. that's, 
within the learning process, all of that, you know, um, kind of takes hold. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, I can truly attest to that. So I was taking notes, and I'm sure I always say to the listening audience, make sure you bring your notepads, iPads, pencils, <laughs> papers, whatever. Because <laughs> you'll want to take some notes because there's going to be some information that's just it's going to fall on your ears for the first time. I know it always happens. It never <laughs> fell for me, and it truly has tonight. Thank you. You're quite welcome. So, yeah, that was like a crash pleasure. course. <laughs> Photography <Yeah>. 101. <laughs> Photography 101. We got and 102. And 102. <laughs> yep. But awesome. Um, you know the the art of photography is so vast. It's so it's it's so huge. You know you can't get everything in. Well, at least I can't get everything in in one hour. You know, mm, okay. it's, it's impossible. And it's so much to talk about when it comes to the moral family period. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I must say that, you know, God has, you know, he, he has shined his light on a situation in my family that wasn't always there. When I, mm-hmm. I mean, with my family, yes, but it, growing up as a kid, that's another part of my life that um, I think God blessed me with, but it was it was rough. It was rough right. growing up in the cities of Philadelphia and having to, um, you know, get to where I'm at today. And, you know, and I just mm-hmm. think, I thank the good Lord. I thank I thank him for his blessings every day. And I have to uh compliment you. I mean, some I've had other photographers that come onto the show and they just talk about uh, photography. They don't open up and share about um a lot of their background information or, you know, when they travel unless you ask. They just mm-hmm. basically talk about the mechanics of a camera <laughs> and things right. like that. But you right. gave us a little more than that, and I'm listening to you, and I'm like, wow, he's he's not just your average um, professional photographer. He's also a photojournalist because he's, mm-hmm. like, giving this background information and history information uh, along with sharing about the actual photography that he's done. So you know, I, I think that's a this. bonus. I thank you so much, um, mm-hmm. Mr. Francine. I certainly appreciate that. But I always say um, in music, and in photography, everything is a song. Mm. Everything is a song. When you just walk out your door in the morning listening to the birds, you know, if you take heed, that's a song. And everything is a picture. And and I say that to say that everything is a picture. It just depends on how you shoot it. Mm. Yeah. So and that it, it, it kind of takes me back to one of the questions you asked me. What do you do afterwards when you look at a picture and you're not really satisfied with it? Well, everything is a picture. It depends on how you shoot it and what you do with it. Now that we have the creativity of the computers afterwards, you know. <laughs> mm. No. Thank you. you. Awesome. Well, can you provide your contact information again for Absolutely. those who would like to connect with you via social media? Mm-hmm. And then we'll wrap up this um, exclusive okay. interview hour. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, You're very again, welcome. the name is Reggie Morrow. Um, my business number is 215-570-1968. 215-570-1968. And my email address is Reggie Morrow, numerical 51. 
at gmail.com. So that's R-E-G-G-I-E-M-O-R-R-O-W-5-1 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook under Reggie Morrow. Um, and I'm from Philadelphia. So, you know, if you're looking for, I, I believe I'm the only Reggie Morrow in Philadelphia. There are other Reggie Morrows that are photographers throughout the country, but I'm the only one in Philadelphia. So okay. that's it, you know. And um, right. So, so, yeah, if you want portraits done, weddings done, call that number and we'll make arrangements to um, to get together so you can see more of my work. But uh, look at me on Facebook because I do post pictures on Facebook a lot, okay? Okay, excellent. Well, thank you. I must give you a hand for that outstanding exclusive interview hour you delivered to us for episode 111, which is, again, that number. It, it It's an excellent number. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's all yes. about one. You know, we, we no. need to be united in our souls, you know, in no. our spirits, you know, with our source, our maker, our Heavenly Father. And when we are, everything in in our life is number one. It's excellent. Right. You know, you can't That's go right. wrong. So. And, if, and if, if we make him number one, he he puts us first in everything that we do, you know? Mm. Yes, indeed. So, you know, there, there's the power. There's power in that number one, one. Mm. <laughs> one for yes. the Father, one for the Son, <laughs> and one for the Holy Ghost. You know, we yes, can go indeed. on and on. And we could go that. on and on. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Love this time. Wow. Well, we're oh. definitely going to have you back. We'll talk, of course, post tonight's show and and okay. schedule another date um, okay. in the future. But we, I want to say to you, thank you so very much for. Uh, accepting the invitation to be the feature artist you truly gave us wonderful knowledge and 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 profound wisdom a lot to consider especially for those pursuing a career in photography and um we're definitely wishing you all the best with all your plans that are forthcoming and all scheduled events that are upcoming and uh for you your wife and um your daughters and yes. all things, because you have a lot that will yes. be taking place, and it's all good, and that's yes. wonderful. And keep us posted. We're definitely going to support and uh, promote all, all right. that uh, is happening with your family. We really are inspired by what we've heard, what you shared, and hearing from your wife. And we know that um, New Jersey is in for a treat. Once she's elected, they have no idea. (laughs) They would get so much more than what they bargained for, and that's that's a blessing right there. This this town is about to be blessed even the more so. Especially, Mm. I mean, if they elect her, it will Mm -hmm. be a blessing. (laughs) Oh, I believe that, and and I'm I'm feeling, I'm sensing that she's going to be elected. I I really really sense that strongly and we're excited we're excited for her new beginning of course and um i'm so i'm certain it's a well-deserved uh venture as well something that was long awaited she might have put it off in the past when it Uh it was um something maybe introduced to her as for her to do but you know Uh timing is of the essence 
when the time yeah. is right, you just know it. Everything Absolutely. falls into place. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to be part of your wonderful show. Oh, and, you're um, welcome. And and um, I think our theme word was um, I think capturing epic life moments. Yeah, epic life moments. Well, that was our. So, yeah, our topic, and then our focus word was photo ready, readiness, focus right. word phrase, photo readiness. So, oh, do you um, have any tips? That's what I forgot. Oh, tips? Um, that you'd like to share. You know, some people just don't have that knack of being photo ready. And well, what should um, they learn to do well, to achieve Well, this, this is what you need to do to constantly be photo ready. Your camera has to become like your eyes. You know, like in other words, if you have a camera in your hand and you see something happening, let's say I hate to I hate to say a car accident or or let's just say mm-hmm. something good. Somebody just starts dancing in the street. Well, you cannot be so amazed at the person dancing and forget mm-hmm. to take the picture. You have to, your your camera must be your eyes. Wherever your eyes go, your camera should be right there next to you, you know. If there's something happens in a flash, your camera should be, like, shooting in a, in a half a second, you know. In other words, like, uh, for instance, one time I was doing a wedding, and the groom was supposed to come out from the back, and it was time for him to come out. Nobody saw the groom. Well, I had a, I just had this funny feeling in my spirit to turn around. And when I turned around, I looked up and the groom was on the balcony throwing rose petals over oh. his audience. <laughs> over his audience wow. and I captured the rose petals mm. in the air. Mm. Now, had I been one focus had I been a a fixed individual. I'm not a fixed individual. I'm a very um, multitask type type guy. If I was a fixed individual saying, well, what's taking him so long to come out, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada I would have missed it because he right. surprised everybody. He surprised everybody. It wasn't in the plans to do that, but mm. he discovered that he wanted to be different and creative, you know, on the spot. Well, I managed to capture him with the rose petals leaving his hands at that very second. There was a second earlier, it wouldn't have been no good. Second later, it wouldn't have been no good. So photo readiness Mm. is is the thing. And the only thing I can tell you about photo readiness is to allow your camera to be your eyes. It's not a secondary situation. It is. It is your eyes. Your camera is your eyes. Wow. They are your eyes. Thank you so much. I'm going to be posting all this information on the event page of tonight's show and on our fan page. Um, You gave us so much words of wisdom and insight that we all can definitely benefit from uh, having received. Thank you. You're quite welcome. And thank you once again. And uh, if there's anything I can do to um, help your show in the future, you know, feel free to give me a call. And um, you know any 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 kind of um anything you need, just let me know, and uh, we will be there for you. Thank you so much. Yeah. 
Thanks. Yeah, we, we appreciate we, that. And we're definitely inspired. We're going to keep working, you know, with our nose to the grinding stone. And, of course, our next uh, venture is working on the actual TV uh, mm. airing, live airing of the Exceptional School Show. We want to do both the radio and TV. So right. keep us in your, your prayers and, and warm thoughts, and we'll keep you posted. And we're definitely going to have you on the uh, TV program and your family, your wife, Absolutely. and uh, your daughters as well. You all mm-hmm. are doing great things. Yes, mm-hmm. you're making great strides. And it's all about loving what you do, and when you mix that with the love for community, you know, that's inspiration, and that's what we're promoting on this platform. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Okay. Well, and I look you. forward to your book. I understand you are working on uh, compiling together a lot of your um, excellent yes. photos. And Yes. Would yes. you like to share about that right now, or what would you like to say? Uh-huh. Whatever you feel comfortable with sharing. Is okay. Well, um, just yeah, just as a, a quick, I there's a lot of things in life. Uh, I do remember, you know, just growing up, things that um, the way I grew up, you know, how the struggle, the struggle was there, not just for me, but it was there for a lot of people. But I think my struggle was um, unique because it's my, it was my struggle, you know. So I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is my desire to put together a. Um, like a life memoir and, you know, let people know, you know, just how it was for me, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and my family, because it just, you know, it just wasn't me, but it was, it was, you know, I have, I have a large family and we all have a unique part in this world. And I just, I would just yes, like indeed. to tell it. I would like to tell it. And, um, and, 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 and in doing that, yes, I will be compiling pictures, in the book, um, mm. you know, I do have a desire to do. Actually, I have two books in mind. You know, um, oh, one is okay. yeah, one is going to be a book on photography, but a particular subject matter. I don't want to talk about it right now, but a mm-hmm. particular subject matter. And um, the other is going to be a book on the life of Reggie Morrow. You know, and um, and some of the things that I've experienced. Uh, you know, because it, you know, as 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 life has gone on, the Lord has given me the um, the ability and the desire to be able to control uh, almost everything that I've done. And when I say control, meaning if I got a job working for somebody as an exterminator, I will turn around the next year and have my own exterminating company. You okay. Know? Uh, mm-hmm. And that's how life has been for me. That's just an example, you know. And I look yes. at it this way: anything that we, we as as a, as a people, anything that we can do uh, for someone else, we should be able to do for ourselves better. Mm. Yes, you indeed. Know. You know, so um, yeah, that's 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 my thing, and that's what I try to t- uh, teach people: you know, mm-hmm. to have the heart, have the the um, tenacity, you know, to have the nerve to go out there and do it yourself. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Do it yourself. Yeah, and that that's one of the reasons I I opened up my photography studio some years ago, and mm-hmm. because if I'm if I'm working for someone, as a matter of fact, the very first photography studio I worked for, the guy turned around and started working for me. The guy who hired me, who mm. 
you know, um, yeah, he's another one of my mentors. He, he hired me to work his photography studio. And within a year or two, he was working for me. And that's another sermon for another Sunday. Okay. <laughs> or, that's another. That's a. That's another truth for another Tuesday. <laughs> for no, okay. Sounds sounds right to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Well. Long well. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. I have my co-host. I'd like to introduce to you before you depart. Absolutely. Um, Queen Zipporah Thelman. Welcome to the Exceptional Scribble Show platform. Hello, Queen uh, Francine. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And how are you this evening? Yeah, I'm fine also. Wonderful. Yeah. We still have the feature artist with us. Um, this will be the photographer and creative mind artist, and might I add genius, <laughs> extraordinaire, <laughs> Mr. Reggie Morrow. Um, would you have any questions that you'd like to ask? Him in reference to our topic, which was capturing epic life moments on film. Uh, let's see. I'm thinking of one. All right, capturing epic life moments on film. All right, does it seem more realistic, you know, once you take the pictures? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 that, well, first of all, I'd like to say hello. It's nice meeting you, Queen. And the, the, the name attached to Queen was? Zipporah. Zipporah. No. Sephora or Zephora. Zephora. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, it's it's a pleasure meeting you. Yes, I. You know Thank what? You, mm-hmm. I do believe that. Um, that's what I strive for. When I shoot a picture, I try to get the real light, the real character. Uh, I try to bring the personality mm-hmm. of the subject out, um, capturing, you know, every element of that subject to look just as real as it did by looking at it with the naked eye. Mm-hmm. That is my goal. That has always been my goal to try to to try to make it look, you know, just as good. And and generally I do. No, generally yeah, I do. It, all right. Thanks. It reminds me of uh, I was looking at some pictures and they were labeled like I think twenty five disturbing pictures of art. And they were disturbing, and I understand why, because mm. the way it's the way that they were painted, mm-hmm. and, and like it, it messes with the mind, and like you're imagining it. And I think there was one that said that, uh, oh goodness, I can't remember the name of this painting, but it affected some students in London where they, you know, had mental, I think it was mental illnesses, and they, you know, they, they couldn't study for their exams. Mm. One of the oh, ones wow. I remember is that they couldn't study for the exams, and I don't remember what they said about the mental illness. But mm-hmm. uh, there was one I recall. It's called Saturn Eating His Children, and that what was, was it, you know, what was it called again? Say that again. Saturn Eating His Children. Oh wow! Yeah, and that's the one where you know Saturn was the you know the Roman god, and uh, he was the, he was the, the Roman god of the deities. Mm-hmm. And he feared that his children, the prophecy of his children overthrowing him, and so he ate mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you know, he didn't, uh, the guy had, uh, she tricked him into eating Zeus by giving him a rock and a blanket. Mm-hmm. 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 Interesting. But, yeah, but, yeah, but with art, you know, imitating life, mm-hmm. you know, saying goes, and then you're mm-hmm. capturing it, and the people are looking at a picture, 
and mm-hmm. the picture, you know, it talks, you know, to the people. You don't know what messages it's saying or mm-hmm. what it's doing or the effect that it's doing, but it does, you know, uh, as a reaction. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think everything I said earlier um, that, in, in, in my opinion, everything is a picture. You know, everything is a picture. Now, the picture itself has to be just like everything. You know, in other words, you know, art imitating life is the key to um, making your piece, your picture, your drawing, your your your, your pencil. It, it it's the key to bringing bringing forth life. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and I, in every picture I, I take, I try to give it, I try to give it meaning, you know. Yeah. I, I really, I try, I, I want to tell two or three stories within mm-hmm. one picture, you yeah. know, within one picture. Uh, and right. um, I would, uh, right. just, just like uh, some years ago, and I, I do it all the time now, but some years ago, uh, there was a, a young lady who came to my studio and she was madly in love with her husband, but he was, you know, he was a trickster, you know, to, to, to you know, he was a trickster, and it bothered her. And when she uh-huh. came in to get pictures taken, you know, I knew it bothered her because, you know, she it showed on her face. I sh- mm. it showed on her face. Yeah. And and I literally captured. I said, I, I, you know, she came in to get some pictures done of her and her children, and and we did all that. We did all the stuff that she wanted. But there was mm-hmm. one picture I wanted to get that depicted her mental state, her, um, you know, her where she was, where she was in her personal relationship with her husband. And I was able to capture. I was able to capture that. And the wow. first person, I, it wasn't digital then; it was film, so I had to get it developed and all that stuff. But the first person I called into the studio to see the picture wasn't her. I called her husband in because I knew him. Mm-hmm. I, I knew her husband. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, "You need to come and see this picture. This beautiful picture I took of your wife." You know, mm-hmm. so, um, so I, and, you know, he did. He came in, and he was, you know, I think I think it made him think. You know, because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they started getting it together shortly thereafter. But mm-hmm. that picture, that picture told. <laughs> A thousand stories. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm laughing about two reasons. One is that what you did was uh, like Leonardo da Vinci when he painted. That's why he was famous for painting the human expression or mm. the human thoughts. Yeah, yes, like, yes. <laughs> yep. Learned that from plenty mm-hmm. of Greek art, plenty <laughs> the Greek artists. Right. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so to say... <laughs> Yeah. The second reason I'm laughing is because I think I was in seventh grade, and uh, mm-hmm. a teacher, I think it was seventh grade, a teacher showed us the film Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Mm. And when she, oh, wow. the, babysitter, the babysitter went into the oldest boy's room, and what he had in there, the posters and all the artwork, uh. <laughs> it was too much for her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, she probably... <laughs> She probably dropped it. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. She didn't drop that, but the children found her dead. Oh no! <laughs> they were talking oh. to her. 
And uh-huh. I think her back was still, and she was sitting in the chair, her back was still, and the oldest girl thing was talking to her, and she wasn't responding, so I think they turned her for it. <laughs> and that's the girl she was <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's a lot of humor in art. There's, there's a lot of humor in art, and, and um, art of all types, you know, mm-hmm. dancing, yeah. you know. <laughs> Dancing is an art, you know. Uh, everything mm-hmm. is an art, and and uh, yeah. I don't know if I if I shared this with you, uh, 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 Sister uh, Francine. My um, my musical background really helped me with my creative um, ability with the photography, because you're always creating. Mm-hmm. You're all, when you're doing music, you're always creating. At least that's the kind of singer I am. I'm always, I, I never sing a song the same way. Mm-hmm. Familiar or similar, similar, but never the same way. So this creativity is constantly, constantly being exercised. So when I yeah. turned over to photography, it, it's the same thing, you know. It, it, okay. It, you know, you just, you just exercise that gift of creativity mm-hmm. and it rolls over to Anything that you do in life, maybe dancing, singing, um, you know, painting, whatever, whatever. Yeah. We have we we refer to those artists as the creative mind artists mm. because they're not just one specific kind of artist. They think outside of the box more than inside. <laughs> so yeah, that's you, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, how about that? And and most That's of those, a gift yeah, to the community as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, most, I think, most of your artists like that. They they start off as introverted type of people, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I you know, sometimes like if, if a mother or a father has a child that seems to be an introvert, first thing I suggest to them is put them in some activities. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sports is good, you know, but drama, you know. Yes. And oh, my, yes. That, yes, indeed. Where they can uh, just display their, mm-hmm. where they are allowed, where people mm-hmm. want them to display their their voice, you know, or their gift of dance or whatever they do. You know, put them in front of people and, 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 and then they're forced not to be an introvert, you know. That's they're forced true. to be an extrovert, you know, in front of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can get past if they can get past the shy the shy moment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They can get past <laughs> you know, and I mean going going back in uh and back way, way, way back in the day when I first did my first live performance, um I mean we I had been singing on the corners of Philadelphia over fifty five gallon uh, drums, you know, with, you know, the fire burning, you know, the wood crackling, you know, mm-hmm. on the corners, you know, on the corners. That's how mm-hmm. I came up. Okay. But when I started moving into more of a professional realm, I joined a group. The very first group I was in, we um, practiced for a year maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. And when we did our first show, it was for Butterball. And Butterball had okay. a thing. He he was he was he had a big thing downtown. It was at this place called the Philadelphia Hotel, and it was mm-hmm. uh, un, it was it was on a Sunday afternoon with Butterball. Well, he had us down there. Uh, we had our band. We were ready. 
us, we were already, we have been practicing all for a whole year. And finally, the moment came when we had to perform in front of hundreds and hundreds of people. Well, the first song we came out singing, I had to lead it. You know, I had to lead the song. Matter of fact, they wanted me to lead all the songs. And I pleaded with these guys. I said, no, I, I'm not leading all these songs. I said, y'all share. They said, no, but you're the tallest. And all these guys were short. They were all kind of, they were much shorter than me. And and they could really dance. They could they could step. They were so good. And when I and they had already been together for years. They grew up together. In fact, when oh, I okay. Home, I, they wanted me to just be their lead singer so that they could do background <laughs> vocals and dance. So anyway, this the first song we came out with was a song called "Go On," um, and I came out mm. and I was so scared. I was like, "Go." And I had to stop the band. I had, mm. I had, I said, no, no, let's, let's stop. Let's try this over again. Everybody right. in the audience, their eyes, their mouth just dropped. Their eyes was wide open, like, what? We thought y'all could sing. <laughs> but mm. um, so I, I stopped the band and I apologized. I said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I gotta apologize. This is my very first time singing in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. Give me another opportunity to start this song over again, and I promise you. I won't disappoint you. So I took a couple of deep breaths mm-hmm. and I went on and hit that song, you know, and it was it was fabulous. It was really, mm-hmm. really it turned out fabulous. But I, I, I say that to say that, you know, growing up I was always kinda of shy with a few like a few things, you know. Mm-hmm. And singing in front of people I was kinda of shy. But after I got over that, because sometimes it's almost like getting in the ring and fighting, you know. Okay. Are you going to stand there and let the guy punch on you and beat you up, or are you going to fight back? You're going to fight back. You, and that's, and right. that's just, it's human nature. You know, you back anything in a corner, you know, it's going to come out, you know, it's going to come that's out of that deep. corner. Yeah, so, you know, that's that's why this Queens of Forest Island, that's why people, uh, we use the Lion King, for example. That's mm-hmm. why Mufasa was strong is because he explained to him that he was only brave when he had to be. Mm, right, mm. right, right. And I thought of, like, David and Goliath, too, in that mm-hmm. valley, you know. Mm. That that was his moment, his moment to assert himself yep. as being what he was already anointed to, to be, and that was a, a true king. That's and you right. can't be afraid and be brave at the same time. That's so right. it's like, you know, in that moment when you're breaking the ice, per se, yeah. you know, you start, your mind starts, you know, getting in gear and focusing now, you know, mm-hmm. I was born to do this. I can do this. Right. <laughs> and you realize the audience, like they say, look at the audience and you envision what you hope mm-hmm. for. You know, if mm-hmm. you envision them as being friends, then, you mm-hmm. know, you, you get the job done. But if you see yourself is being thrown to the lions and they're hungry and they're about to eat you, then, you know, you're defeated yeah. before you even start. <laughs> that's what I... That's Perception so right. is key. Perception is key. <laughs> that is right. That is right. Well, we can we can talk about this all night, you know, and, <laughs> but I would love to come back on the show. And, Wonderful. Um, Thanks. Yeah. And we definitely would love to have you back as well. Right. And I'm going to tune in. I'm going to start tuning in more often. Are, do you have right. it, is it every Tuesday? 
It's every Tuesday night. Uh, we start with a uh, feature artist in the spotlight from 8 till 9. And okay. then, just like tonight, Queen Zipporah starts at about anywhere between 9 and 9.15. Sometimes, oh. you know, we need a little more time with the uh, okay. interview hour. But, right. yeah, and then once she's on, we just go thick into discussing about publishing and what mm-hmm. routes one needs to be mm-hmm. aware of that they, you know, there are options. You can go the mm-hmm. traditional route or you can go self-publishing. But okay. which is best for you? How will you know? You have mm-hmm. to be well-informed. So that's right. where Queen Zipporah comes in. She informs us. She she facilitates that hour. I just mm-hmm. chime in with some knowledge that I have from experience, but she's really, she's the, the, the head librarian and teacher uh, during that. And then after that, it's all poetry. We have uh, poets that call in, and oh. they read live uh, poetry. We have everyone to give responses uh, to let that artist know, you know, how their words impacted the yeah. listeners. And um, yeah. it's a good thing because we have sometimes some people, that's their first time actually uh, spitting Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what we refer to as um, reciting poetry, we use the word spitting, of course. I hope that doesn't right. gross anyone out. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but it's their first time spitting, you know, uh-huh. live before a live right. audience. So they right. need to kind of get that before they actually go to an open mic venue and do a live uh, spoken mm-hmm. word art uh, piece. So, you know, we kind of, I guess, prep them. This is like mm-hmm. the station they tune into the to um, get their feet wet, per se, before actually uh, going out there and, and going strong and hitting mm-hmm. these open mic venues yeah, and uh, yeah. doing it right. You uh-huh. know, so we help them. And we let That's them know, good. look, this you came really good with this part here, but, you know, here you were a little too soft or maybe you were a little too intense for your audience. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, break, uh-huh. break it gently to them, you know, sometimes yeah, it can't yeah. come off real harsh. But it all depends yeah. on the, the climate of the audience, too. Right. You right. know, sometimes uh-huh. you got to come hard. you got to, you know, know. you got to bring the, the fire. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the receiver don't receive well unless it's done, mm-hmm. you know, in a, um, in a more assertive, you know, that's way. That's right. You know? Yeah, but um, yes, indeed, that's good. So are we yeah. still on the radio right now? We're still on the radio right now. Matter of fact, um, we're transitioning as we speak. We're um, getting our listeners uh, prepared for Queen Zipporah and okay. facilitation of our free publishing tips hour. This is okay. also the hour that if people have questions about uh-huh. publishing or how do I get started or, or you know, are there any is there any literature that I should be reading to kind of help mm-hmm. me to strengthen mm-hmm. my literary skills? Mm-hmm. All that good stuff. This is right. that uh, time where the librarian, I refer to her as Queen Zipporah, uh, yeah, Queen she facilitates Lepora, the, the librarian. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to have a librarian on, on this type of platform. <laughs> yes, yes. How yeah, about? she keeps us all in line. She gives us homework. She tells me, Fran, okay, this is this is what we're reading uh-huh. Uh, for this weekend, and tells our listening audience this is the book that she should be reading right now to really wow. prove itself helpful. And she always has a lot of good articles that she shares with everyone on writing, just about uh, becoming a published writer and doing it successfully. You uh-huh. know? Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That's good. That's real good. Well, 
Thank you. I know I need somebody to write for me. So I, when I get ready to do my two books, I'm going to be calling on you two ladies to to give me some tidbits and help help, help me along. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And if you haven't uh, connected with Queen Zippor, she is on Facebook as well. Okay. Uh, Zipporah Thelman is the name that she goes under. Okay, let me uh, let me just jot this down. Let me get mm-hmm. And Zipporah, if you can provide that information, your contact information, because I'm sure a lot of listeners as well want to connect with you with some questions they have about getting sure. started with publishing. Thank you. All right. Uh, Zipporah, can you spell your name for me, please? Sure. It's spelled Z like zebra. Okay. I. Yes. P P. D P. No P P like Peter. Oh P P P P. Okay. O R A H. Okay. All right. Oh. My last name. Uh huh. All right. T like Thomas. Uh huh. H E L. Yes. M O N. Okay. Okay, so much. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, and I can. That's how it is on Facebook too, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna befriend you on Facebook. So mm-hmm. I can look out look out for my uh, my call to, uh, to be friends. And um, right. yes, indeed. But it was really nice talking to you, ladies. And I'm going Thank to uh, I'm gonna go now. Um, I have to. I got a big day tomorrow, so I need to get ready for that. You know? Okay. Yeah. Your name is uh, Reggie? Yeah, Reggie, R-E-G-G-I-E, Morrow, mm-hmm. M-O-R-R-O-W. Now, now, if you may, you might see, if you look me up, you may see me walking down. I got two Facebook pages. One's walking mm-hmm. down the steps looking like mm-hmm. a cowboy, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and the other is dancing with my daughter at her wedding. Mm-hmm. And you have one more, correct, uh, for your studio? Um, yes, yes, I do. Absolutely, yes, yes. And the other is um, is called Ion um, Visual Photography. That's that's mm-hmm. my um, that's my uh, photography page now. Mm-hmm. Ion Visual Photography. Thanks for sharing. Absolutely, my pleasure. Okay, I'm going to say good night right. to everyone, and um, right, God night. bless y'all, and stay strong, ladies. Yes, thank you okay. so much. Good night. Okay. Peace right, and blessings night. to you and your family. Yes, thank you so much, and likewise, and give Mr. Nato my regards. And tell him I to keep sure on will. shooting. Oh, <laughs> bless you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. God bless you. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right, friends. Okay. Talk to you later. All right. Uh, clean you. support. Talk to you later, dear. All right. You're welcome, Reggie. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Outstanding. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you were able to um, also uh, ask some questions, and you mm-hmm. asked good questions, Queen Zipporah, as well. You know, it's not all the time that you get a chance to have a professional photographer that's also like a photojournalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets a lot of historic background information when he uh, takes photos and and, and you know, that's awesome. That's priceless. You can't put a price tag on that. And it's right. precious, and too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when he talked about taking a picture of the, um, you know, the wife of her showing the problems in her marriage. 
Mm-hmm. And that's like that with you know with everybody. Like you say something, and people you just everybody has different reactions, but you can know what they're thinking. As Leonardo da Vinci learned from Pliny, you know that. That's right. Thanks mm-hmm. for um, sharing that too, because it is it 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 really it it it's it makes a difference when you capture emotion mm-hmm. and true. Some people say attitude, but it's not just attitude. Um, when you capture uh, the actual essence or soul mm-hmm. of yeah. anything, whether it's a person, animal, you know, th- that's a lot. Yeah, especially because um, mm-hmm. yeah, the emotions are personification. Yes. Like, you know, like the symbolism and all, like, it doesn't have, you know, a solid form yet. That's right. I guess you could call it like people say, you know, that's his truth or her truth. <laughs> you know, that photographer is capturing our truth, you know, with mm-hmm. fact about us. Right. It's just like with Uncle Sam, you know, his Uncle Sam is Texas, and he's, you know, the man with the red, white, and blue stars and stripes, you know, um, clothing in the top hat. That's right. That's right. And we have to remember, like a lot of people, they see art. Um, linear. Art is multidimensional. Mm-hmm. It's not linear. So you have some people when you say art, they're thinking paint, mm-hmm. painter. Yeah. They're not thinking right. of all the other forms and disciplines of art, unfortunately. And I think sometimes it's because a lot of times people weren't privileged early on in life to be exposed. Mm-hmm to art in mm-hmm. its diverse form, you know. Some aren't as cultured. They've not really had the privilege and opportunity to travel mm-hmm. or to even just have exposure. Even sometimes just books can grant you that exposure, you know, literature, seeing certain plays and mm-hmm. things like that. So, right. you know, it's good that we have this show, um, also uh, uh, Mr. Reggie Morrow's wife, she's running for a political office, I believe. Uh, she mentioned she resides in Gloucester, uh, New Jersey, and Monroe's uh, uh, Bureau of County. And she's running for uh, a council uh, woman uh, seat. And she may mention that you know the the pay there it, it's not much at all it's very little pay for the kind of work that you do when you're mm-hmm. a council person however she said she would not have elected to do it for the pay she's doing it because for her it's a mission mm-hmm. and she knows this is for her to do and that was just so compelling to hear that said because we have so many people that will elect to run for offices for very reason. You know, we can just look at the current presidential. I don't mean to sound negative if I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody's got an agenda, right? Yeah, um, yeah. We know Bernie Sanders is for the people. He's constantly showing us that as well as telling us that. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, not everybody's for the people anymore, unfortunately. Right, exactly, so, yeah. Yeah, you so when you hear somebody's running that really is for the people, you want to rally behind them and support mm-hmm. them and just get everybody hyped about 
rallying and supporting them too. So we wish her all the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but see, one thing about with the whole pay thing is because the pay is getting tinier, you know, Mm -hmm. from illegalities, if uh, that can be a word. (laughs) Right, yeah. And so you got to take what's what's there and try to make the most of it, and people try to get as much as they can, which is not their fault, because you get a lot, but then when it's all gone, you're going back, you know, doing the, getting it again. Mm. Mm. I heard that. So very good. And I'm I'm glad we're taking this moment to talk politics because we don't we try to kind of stray from doing that. I know yeah, because it's it really dirty. Yeah, right. Dirty it can get yeah, and and you yeah. know, conflict uh-huh. of interest. People calling. You know, everybody has their own opinion, yeah, so you try right. to kind of not talk about things that can turn mm-hmm. into controversial subject matter. Right, yeah. But I think our lives right now are truly being interrupted by this uh, current presidential uh, campaign that is mm-hmm. underway. I mean, yeah, it is. as soon as I turn the radio on and the news on now, that's the. it's like the first, announcement, what Trump said, what Hillary oh, said, yes. what Bernie's not, where he's not going. Um, <laughs> what? Right. It's like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. goodness. Yeah, you can't confusing. avoid it. Mm-hmm. It's confusion. And people, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you hear what Trump said, what all, what all three of them said, and then, you know, it's a, it's a juxtaposition. I love that word, choice. <laughs> Yes, indeed. It mm-hmm. truly is. It yeah. truly is. Yeah, and then the problem, the, the problems that it's uh, well, not causing, but adding to. You already had the problems, but then you have more. You know, which from you know what he's saying, and then what the other two is saying, Hillary and Bernie are saying, and it's just contributing, you know, to the problem, the existing problem, and that's what you make it dangerous. Well, you know what, Queen Zipporah, if you don't mind, is it okay for us to take a music break and then we'll return and you will uh, begin facilitating the publishing tips hour? Sure. Okay. It will be out. It will be out. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be strong. Glory comes, it will be out, it will be out. 
woman and child Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd They march with the torch, we gon' run with it now Never look back, we done gone hundreds of miles From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero Facing the league of justice, his power was the people Enemy is lethal, a king became regal Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego The biggest weapon is to save people We sing, our music is the cuts that we bleed through Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany Now we right the wrongs in history No one can win the war individually It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy Welcome to the story we call victory The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory One day Welcome, 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 welcome to those that are newly tuning in. You are now tuned in to the Exceptional Scribble Show. This is episode 111. Yes, 111. It's something about that number, people. And I'm talking about good vibrations. Nothing negative or ominous in the negative regard. This is all positive energy here tonight. And we are now ready for the co-host of the Exceptional Scribble Show, who is prepared to facilitate the free publishing tips hour. And I do want to say hi, a big shout out to Angel of Love. I see you, Angel of Love. Welcome. I see you in the chat room. Welcome tonight. It's so good to have you joining us. And feel free if you'd like to call in. It's 724-444-7444, and the show's ID number is 133193. Feel free to call in if you have any questions. If you have any questions pertaining to publishing as for how to get started as for the process, it is a process. If you have any questions, even as far as maybe there are some things you're not certain about or not sure of. I'm sure Queen Zipporah Thelman, whom is the librarian. Yes, she is. She's the librarian of the Exceptional Scribble Show, and I know that she knows. So I'll do my best, and I'll chime in and help as much as I can. But Queen Zipporah Thelman, I'm passing the mic over to her because she's going to lead us to the promised land, everybody. <laughs> Queen Zipporah. <laughs> 
Welcome. The mic is in your hands. All right. Thank you, Queen Francine. You're welcome. Tonight, tonight I have one piece of writing advice, which is humor gives books their flavor. Mm. Right, and I have the following articles to read, and they're all from writersdigest.com. The first is titled, Bestseller Lisa Scottsline Shares Where, quote, What If, end quote, Can Lead a Story and Why Perseverance Pays. And this is from April 14, 2016. Having interviewed countless bestsellers during my time here at Writers Digest, one thing I've learned is this. When a writer's advice sticks with you in a way that changes your own writing life for the better, you should make a point of following that writer. First, the least you can do is return the favor. And second, there's probably more to be learned. I feel this way about suspense bestseller Lisa Scottsline, who started her career as a lawyer-turned-author being touted as as, quote, the female John Grisham, end quote, and made her own name across genres with success in women's fiction and humor. The first time I met her about six years ago, I was sitting at her educational session at Thrillerfest and watched jaws drop, including my own, when she generously gave every single person in the room a referral to her agent, complete with a personal email address. She also shared these excellent quote, nine ways to get started and stay motivated, end quote. More about Lisa Scotland's Scotland's trio of books out this year, visit lisascotland.com. Also, you can read more about Most Wanted here. Follow her on Twitter at Lisa Scotland or like her on Facebook. This post is by Jessica Strasser. Strasser is the editor of Writer's Digest magazine and welcomes connections with all fellow writers and readers alike on Twitter at Jessica Strasser and on Facebook. Her debut novel, Almost Missed You, is forthcoming from St. Martin's Press in March 2017. Sign up at jessicastrasser.com to receive a notification when the book is available for pre-order. All right, turning the page. She shared one of her mantras that day, and she shared it with WD writers again when I interviewed her for October for our October 2014 WD interview. It has to do with giving yourself permission to take your writing seriously and then holding fast to that permission in a world that doesn't always understand. You have to nurture this dream. I visualize it as a candle. You're the person in the movie walking around in the dark, scary house, and you have to protect it with your hand. It can blow out very easily, and the world is not going to help you hold that candle. You've got to protect the candle. You've got to go, no, I can't come into work on the weekend. That's when I work on my novel. People deserve those dreams, and they have to fight for them. You can read more outtakes from that interview here. To this day, I have a candle on my writing desk at home to remind me of Scottoline's wise words. And sometimes when I'm tempted by an invite during my normal writing time, the mantra echoes almost automatically in my mind. Protect the candle. Uh, Could you hold on a minute, Queen Francis? Sure. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is just a temporary pause. Queen Zipporah Thelman will be returning to complete facilitation of the Publishing Tips Hour. Your patience is much appreciated. Yeah, I'm back. Welcome back. Thank you. All right, continue with the article. Yes. Yes. Dr. Line has a new book out this month, Most Wanted, in which a pregnant woman becomes convinced that a newly arrested serial killer is the sperm donor who fathered her unborn child. We caught up with Scott to line and chat about her new release. The premise of Most Wanted gives me chills. What sparked the idea for the story? One day, I was considering my own life and got one of those what-if questions. I was thinking about how much my daughter, Francesca, means to me. I'm a single mom with only one child, her, and we are really close. We're even co-authors. Even as she's gotten older, she's still the best part of my life, and the thought came to me, what if I couldn't have a child, have had a child? That made me think about infertility and what I would have done had my life turned out differently. I'm still single. I would have thought about using the donor, and then I thought, what if I mm. used a sperm donor, and that sperm donor turned out to be a serial killer? That may tell you something wow. weird about how my mind works. In our last interview, you talked about never knowing how a book is going to to no never knowing. Excuse me, I'll start over again. In our last interview, you talked about never knowing how a book is going to, and when you start. And this one seems like it could have gone in so many different directions. What can you tell us about the process of shaping this particular story? You're absolutely right. It could have gone so many directions. And as is my usual crazy practice, I had only the idea to start with, with no roadmap as to how it would end. My first hurdle was to determine if the plot line was even implausible. And I found out that it is horrifyingly plausible as a result of the lack of regulation in the banking industry. The more I researched that, I ended up going into the legal issues that the character might face as well as as well character might face as well used to her advantage. By the time the novel was over, I had visited a fertility clinic and a maximum security prison, and all of that research informed not only what the character does, but why she does it and who she is, which is always the most interesting part of any novel. You have two more books coming in the months ahead. I've got Sand in All the Wrong Places, your latest humor essay collection co-authored with your daughter, Francesca Saratella, and a new Rosato and the Nunzio legal thriller, Damage. What are the most rewarding and challenging parts of sustaining this variety and pace these days? <clears throat> I feel so lucky these days to be able to be writing more and more, and part of that is because I lack a social life, LOL. Still, I'm not complaining. Every empty nester knows the feeling of having the time of your life back in your own hands, and with fewer demands of me, I feel like I'm more open than ever before to writing different things and more things, which is a really terrific position of being as a writer. We need to keep our hearts and minds open and free, and all writing feeds each other, regardless of genre which is a fact I knew in the abstract but now see day to day. I find more humor coming into the novels because of the humorous essays that I write and even the standalones in the series 
cross-fertilize each other in many ways. Next page, final. I am spending more time writing, so I'm working harder, but I hope it's heartening to know that like anything else, writing gets better and easier with practice. It's still hard not it's still hard to know which words will come next or which plot event, but I have more confidence simply because I've done it for twenty five years now. I hope all of your readers know that everybody who sits behind before a computer struggles and fights to squeeze out a sentence from time to time. I think I'm living proof that if you just persist you will succeed. The end of this article. Hmm. That was a very informative article, and it really provokes thought, especially uh, touching on issues like uh, when you consider um, a woman that wants to become a mother and maybe she's not in a romance-based uh, or love uh you know, based relationship with a man, but she has such a strong desire to become a mother where she's contemplating or deliberating uh, a sperm donor and considering things such as, well, what if that sperm donor was a serial rapist or a serial uh, killer, you know, things like that. It, It provokes one to think as the reader, you know, as the reader, it provokes thought. Because for the most part, um, when you're focusing on what you don't have and and you have so strong a desire to have what you don't have, sometimes in desperation mode, we make some choices and, and they're not always in our best interest or wise made decisions. So I really appreciated what um, that particular author was saying in that regard. You know, sometimes you have to pull back and you've got to look at your life and say, well, you know, I need to be safe rather than sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we tend to make allowances and make excuses for ourselves and say, well, nobody's perfect and, you know, well, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Well, some things can be avoided because sometimes the consequences are so devastating. It may take as much as the rest of your life for you to heal from some falls and some hurts and some breaks. So sometimes the best choice is to resist altogether, to just don't indulge in some things to just do without some things and and always count the cost. Um, Is it worth me taking this challenge on, head on? Is it worth me um, with the possibility of I can get burnt and I can get burnt really badly? And it may take the hill time or recovery time may take a very long time. It may take years. Am I willing to take that chance? Is it worth taking that chance? You know, these are things we should be contemplating more so than just focusing on what we want and that we have this strong desire for it, (laughs) you know? 
But I thought that was really interesting because, um, you know, it, it just made for a real-life discussion, um, consideration of a real-life issue. This is a real situation that happens every day, mm-hmm. you know. And unfortunately, we have some cases and incidents where women were raped. Mm-hmm. And they uh, chose, rather than to abort, they chose to have the child. And they have all this, you know, they're wrestling with, you know, the feelings of the shame from what happened. And then you have the guilt. Well, you know, how am I going to be able to tell my child um, how they were conceived? How, you know, how do you do that Yeah, when it was a rape? Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. the challenge part. That's the, the challenge and the hurt. Mm-hmm. Struggle, you know, all in one, because you know, just knowing how that it happened, remembering is one thing, but then having to tell it, mm-hmm. that's, well, that's you know, that's like the hammering on the nail, because that memory, you know, will come out even stronger. Mm-hmm. It's like pouring salt into a wound. Mm-hmm. That's when it hurts like heck. <laughs> it's like, oh, even that much more. All right, I'm moving on to the next article, which is titled Seven Surprising Things I Learned Self-Publishing a Book. My guest column, April 26, 2016. Hmm. You want to self-publish a book. After all, it's so much easier than sending proposals to agents and publishers you get to control the process, and you'll keep more of your earnings. And all you have to do is chum out 50,000 words or so, slap on the cover, you create it in Canva, and upload it to Amazon, if only. <clears throat> I'm in the process of self-publishing my newest book, How to Do It All, the revolutionary plan to create a full, meaningful life, while only occasionally wanting to poke your eyes out with the sharpie. I've self-published several books, and they sell okay, but this is the first time I'm, I've committed to doing it like I mean it. Learning how much goes in the writing, producing, and launching a self-published book that looks pro and gets attention has been an eye-opening experience. Here are the top seven facts that shocked the heck out of me. This guest post is by Linda Formicelli. Formicelli is the author of How to Do It All, the revolutionary plan to create a full, meaningful life while only occasionally wanting to poke your eyes out with the Sharpie, which is available now on Amazon. Here's where you can learn more, get a free sample of the book, join the early notification law, and score an invite to this secret Facebook group. Book giveaway. Linda is giving away a copy of How to Do It All to one lucky writer side just reader. How to win? Just leave a comment on this guest post with the hashtag um, it's the uh, pound sign. How to do it all, and we will pick one, we will pick one winner at random. Deadline two weeks from this article's posting date. Number one, it's not cheap. Parentheses really not cheap. Close parentheses. I always thought I was pretty good at DIY, do it yourself when it comes to cover design, editing, and marketing. But if that's the case, I realized why none of my books. <clears throat> Excuse me, I realize why are none of my books bestsellers? 
they also they sell fine, but you won't be seeing any of them in the New York Times. So this time I decided to hire a launch team, get a cover design from scratch, hire a professional proofreader, pay a designer to create the free downloadable worksheet and spring for ebook and print layout pros. My cost so far over ten thousand dollars. No, there is not a missing decimal. And of course the writing, production and marketing of this book has been so all encompassing that I haven't done any actual paying work outside a couple of small courses I teach since the beginning of 2016. I'm just crossing my fingers that the professional help I hired will pay off in terms of readers, reviews, publicity, and enough cold, hard cash to earn back my expenses and help pay the bills. Number two, you're not as good a writer as you think. We writers love to think our first drafts are sparkling and perfect, not so. I ran various versions of the manuscript from my business partner, writer husband, 20 beta, beta readers, and proofreader. Through their feedback, I discovered I repeated myself, used too many um, dashes, told lame jokes, swore too much, and had the chapters in the wrong order. I revised the book from front to back several times over, and each time I printed the whole manuscript out again and went over it with a red pen. I had thought my original draft was pretty awesome, but looking back on it now, I see that it was actually flabby and weak. Even the best writers need an outside perspective when they work to create the strongest book possible. Mm-hmm. Number three, looks do matter. It's what on the inside that counts, right? Excuse me while I LOL. For my previous books, I did hire a cover designer, but to save money, I chose the option where I would send him a stock image and he would create a cover with it. It usually turned out pretty nice, but if you put my covers next to a book from, say, HarperCollins or Penguin, they wouldn't even compare. This time, I shelled out the $480 to have the e-book and print covers designed from scratch. My designer sent me a form to fill out about my preferences in color, font, style, and images. I researched the top-selling self-help books and passed along what I learned from them. For example, they tend to have bright but warm colors like yellow, orange, and red, and many of them are text only. The results, a gorgeous pro cover. I now have an editor of, at a big, well-known women's magazine interested in running an article about the book and have been getting mentions in other print pubs as well. I'm sure the beautiful cover I've been sending editors has something to do with it. After all, my last book was just as good if the reviews are any indication, but never got any interest from big media players with its stock art cup. Number four, only a small percentage of the work involved is actual writing. We're writers, so we want to, well, write. The big shocker is that when you self-publish a book, writing is only a small part of the process. It Mm. took me four weeks to write the first draft, and eight weeks to edit it. Not only that, but while I was writing the book, I was also working with the cover designer, hiring the other pros, gathering and dealing with data readers, and starting and managing the Facebook group. I'd say the actual writing of the book has accounted for only about a quarter of the work involved. Who do you think? Number five, you do need a platform. Parentheses, sorry, close parentheses. 
One reason so many writers want to self-publish books is that a traditional publisher won't take you if you don't have a platform that is a built-in base of fans who are already who are ready to buy your book. The misguided idea self-publishers have is that if they do it themselves, they don't need to bother with building a platform. Well, that's true if you don't want to sell any books. But I discovered that having a platform is key, even if you're self-publishing. My beta readers, the fans on the early notification list, and most of the people on the Books' Facebook group came from among the 8,000 subscribers on the Renegade Writer email list. Without that original platform, I would have no one. These wonderful fans have offered their advice and opinions on book cover design and more offered to hand-sell the books to their local bookstores, promised to leave reviews, sent me leads, asked to write articles about the book, and are first in line to buy how to do it all when it's out. The surprising lesson here, build the audience, then write the book. Number six, mistakes are okay. We need to be perfect in all ways that we want readers to think of us as experts and buy our books. At least that's what I thought at the beginning of the process. So imagine my surprise when I accidentally sent the advanced reading copy to all 8,000 members of my email list instead of just <laughs> my 20 better readers and got only the nicest responses to my snafu. Many readers wrote to say that they would buy the book when it comes out, even though they got a free copy, and I also reviewed a ton of positive comments about the book. Mistakes show you're a real human being, and no one will not buy your book because you messed up. The only place you need to freak out about errors is in your copy. Multiple typos will turn off readers. And number seven is not all about you. When we write books, the temptation is to put everything out of our you-know-what. After all, it's our book, and we are the experts. So I was flabbergasted at how much research I ended up doing. I was tempted to simply rely on my own knowledge and ideas, but because I wanted how to do it all to be an authoritative work, I ended up pulling in tons of research and studies that backed up my ideas. After all, what's more convincing, to tell readers that we watch too much TV and should do it less, says who, says me, or to find a stat revealing exactly how much TV the average American indulges in every week and how it affects our motivation, and when in my research I discovered a few articles about dying people's top regrets, the facts presented there perfectly bolstered my argument that we should spend more time with our loved ones. So that's what I've learned through this journey so far. Self-publishing is not a quick, easy guide to make a bundle. No matter how many books and newsletters from gurus you read promising instant riches to self-publishers, it's work. It's satisfying, fun work, but also expensive, time-consuming, occasionally stressful. But how much sweeter the rewards will be when we know we've put our all into making our book the best it can be. The end of this article. Mm-hmm. Awesome article, uh, Queen Zipporah. An awesome job just relaying details from that article, sharing the excerpts from that article that were and are meaningful uh, uh, things, points, strong points to dis- to consider and to discover as well. Um, for a lot of us, we tend to, as writers, we tend to write 
on what we see, hear, everything that the five senses um, can attest to. And sometimes, though, there's very few that do this. They will write about what they dream, what they don't see, what they don't hear, but what is real to them in their dreams. And that made me think of um, a writer comes to mind, a producer, actually, uh, Steven Spielberg, and his creation of E.T. Um, he shared that he kept having these visions. He kept having these night visions or dreams of E.T. This creature would come and visit him. And it didn't scare him. It wasn't like a nightmare. It was just an alien visitation, pretty much. And I guess after so many times of seeing it, you see something in a dream. Or maybe it was a nightmare to him, but it wasn't enough to make him afraid. It made him curious. It made him want to discover the possibility of this creature being a real creature. And so by him taking it into consideration, pondering over it, and breathing life into it, when you write things down and, 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 and you draft things up, you're actually breathing life into it. He created what made, I mean, it was a major box office hit um, around, the, around the world, around the country, around the nation, around the world, uh, E.T., which is the classic now. And... So I would encourage people who have the gift to write, even sometimes those really odd or strange visions Mm -hmm. we have in the night, (laughs) (laughs) write it down. Mm -hmm. Who's to say it could could turn out just like for Steven Spielberg, E.T. turned out. It It wasn't a flop. It was a box, major box office hit. Yeah. And uh, Queen Francis of Queens of Four, I like to say that's how uh, Stephen King, you know, wrote, you know, built his career from writing about, you know, his childhood nightmares. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So sometimes the very things we shun can turn out to be the very things that could prosper our lives in many ways, and enrich our lives in many ways. So don't just stare and gaze. Share it. (laughs) (laughs) If it's that fascinating to you, if it's that mesmerizing to you, I think you need to be sharing that with other people. (laughs) And the first article that I read about Lisa Scottsline, and when mm-hmm. she was in the direction that her book was taking her in. And I can relate because, you know, one of my books is that, you know, has done so. It just, mm-hmm. you know, guided me, broke me from the regular pattern that I was writing it. <laughs> and just took me down. It's still taking me down this twisted road of revealing things that were, you know, um, in other words, they were quiet. Not not quiet, but just revealing things that were, you know, just attracting, you know, to it, you know, the um, story itself. Mhm. That's right. Sometimes I think we don't realize what we have 
you know, I'm beautiful mind is one of the greatest things that exists. And once we tap into that power that we possess, when we have access, mm-hmm. and and most of us do, we, we are in control of our minds and our, you know, we're not a puppet or a robot <laughs> or marionette. So we can create much. We can do a lot if we just tap in, if we just access. And, and that power, that ability, for some of us, it lays dormant because sometimes we deny it, we neglect it. You know, you have these visions, you have these, um, you know, dreams, and instead of drawing what you see and writing and, and developing that, you know, gift, we kind of just neglect it because we are so afraid that nobody else is going to like it yeah, or love and it. Yeah, and also we fear, fear rejection. Our, yeah. And we also fear, you know, what people think, as I read last week. Mm-hmm. You know, about should writers censor themselves when writing? And they're like, oh, you know, that, um, what if nobody likes it or what if they, you know, feel offended or, you know, what if I get in trouble for it? And... Mm-hmm. So you have fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. fear of success, <laughs> yeah. fear of failure, but fear of success too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know your your life's going to change mm-hmm. once you become successful, and you want to remain yourself. Right, but, that's you know, it. But you can remain yourself, and it's just that you know if, if people like, if people want to say, "Oh, Susan is, you know, she's this, she's that," and all, I mean, you can listen. Let them, you know, put the praises on you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. We gotta be willing to leap. Like, there's this sculpture. And it shows a man, and he's leaping. I know in Africa, that's a rites rites of passage. I believe the young men have to do. It's it's, it's where America has stolen the um, bungee jump. And for this particular nation in Africa, all the young men have to go through this rites of passage, where they literally have to have this band uh, wrapped around their ankle, and, and they have to jump. And this is how they exit boyhood and enter manhood. <laughs> off of this clip. Oh, it's the coming of age. Right, it's the coming of age, and it's like that's reality, though, when you think of it. If you're not willing to take that leap of faith mm-hmm. and believe that, you know what, I'm not plunging to my death. I'm actually... I'm I'm taking this leap of faith, and I'm going to survive. Mm-hmm. I'm going to overcome a lot of things. I'm going to overcome all my doubts, mm-hmm. all of my fears, my insecurities, all my anxieties, because I want to live. I don't want to die. <laughs> it's like when you really look at it, and that's that light. It, it's a newfound courage. It's a newfound courage and a strength that sometimes, you know, you got to dig deep to uncover and discover. But it is there. But not until we're challenged do we acknowledge it Yeah. in most and, instances. 
and Queen Friends is Queen Support. Also, I want to say, like, getting started is one thing, but, you know, um, continuing, you know, that's the main problem. The people, mm-hmm. that, I want to do a thing, and then they start it, and then they don't continue. I mean, that's where, you know, um, uh, you know, I wouldn't say lack of motivation, but mm. the willingness, yeah. That's so key. Um, I'm glad you went there. We have a guest in the chat room, Angel of Love, and she said she needed this tonight. She wanted to share this uh, with you, Queen Zipporah. She she said, I had so much in my head but have never sat down to put it out there or never knew how to even start it. So by us having the discussion that we're having right now, Uh she is motivated. Intrinsic motivation has been triggered within her soul, her being. And now she's going to just take that leap of faith and get her works submitted for publishing approval. I'm so very happy that this discussion went the way it went tonight. See, this is why it's so important for us to just go whatever way the spirit is taking us because we don't, you know, this is not scripted. We don't uh, plan our every move and say this is what we're going to do at 10 o'clock and say (laughs) we're going to say this at 10.15. So for the listening audience, look, this is not rehearsed. We don't pre-rehearse any of these recordings. We literally just allow the spirit to guide us and direct us, and we're talking about our maker, our creator, and in in him taking us where we need to go, somebody out there listening is inspired, empowered. Yeah. And yes, I, I like to say this, as Queen's of Horror, we've helped another one. <laughs> that's it. And that's what it's all about. Cause, and in so doing, we're helping, we're helping each other because we're all members of the same literary art community. Yeah. So, yes, when we help somebody, we're helping ourselves, too. Yeah. Well, uh, Queen Friends, you don't mind, I'm going to sign off now. Okay. Well, thanks so much. And before you sign off, um, mm-hmm. what would you like to suggest as a suggested reading or required reading for us for this well, week? Yeah. Well, I did have one book in mind. It's nonfiction. But okay. I can't remember, you know, the author. And so tonight, um, I'm not. I'm gonna be, you know, a nice teacher and not give okay. any, you know, week, not give any weekend homework. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. for this week, no weekend homework. But what would you right. like for us to study? What should we? Um, maybe something we could even Google. What should we study um, during our study. time for study? I say the history of literature. Now, I had read it on an episode, but it's a really, it's an interesting article. Okay, and it's the history. Yeah, history of literature. Of literature. Thank you. You're welcome. Very helpful. I did want you to hear something before you sign off. There's a poem and I I actually did a SoundCloud recording of it, and I would like to get some uh, feedback from you. It's entitled The Mime, and it is a an original poem, something 
that I am author of. Uh I'm going to play that now. The mime. The mime was always expressing with his hands and body things unspoken yet understood. Many sought to look on as the mime performed, but only a chosen few really could interpret just what was on preview. The mime would even cry or show facial gesturing that illustrated laughter. Many felt the words the mind would depict with body language and facial expressions. The mind interpreted love and death, joy and pain, sickness and health, poverty and wealth. Yet, not all could invest in the mind's efforts because many were selfish and unsupportive. The mind was friendly, easy to entreat, kind and gentle, caring and meek. The mind would welcome animals and people alike. All creatures were welcome to witness the candor of the mime. One day the mime did not perform as usual on the corner of Minton Street. This troubled the townsfolk for it was the highlight of their day. There was a report that followed by a policeman. Ladies and gents, I sadly report that Mr. Jones the Mime died last night. There was a holy hush that flooded Minton Street and a dead silence as never manifested before. Then the town countess, Marcelia, requested for an explanation to know the cause of death. The policeman solemnly declared, the mime, Mr. Jones, died of a broken heart. Mm. Much chatter began as people scurried about trying to learn what caused Mr. Jones to die of a broken heart. The policeman, reading the eyes and faces of the crowd, said, I know what you're thinking. What caused Mr. Jones to die from a broken heart? Well, it was his inability to hear and speak. He so loved to perform, but always wanted to engage in dialogue with his audience and to hear their cheers 
never take for granted that everyone who performs has the best life or that their life is so much better than yours. Sometimes it's all an act, a coping mechanism to numb the pain they feel inside. After such a tragic ordeal, people of that town were more inclined to ask each other, how are you today? Understanding that their life is shared. No man is an island, and the concern shown means a lot. The mine did not die in vain, for in four days, another mine assigned himself to that same corner on Minton Street. And Mr. James made the townsfolk encouraged. He did well. To mine is to be remembered. The Mimes, a poetic short story written and published by Francine Elizabeth Natal, otherwise known as Sage, the Poet. Well, Queen Zipporah, so um, that's a piece, short, uh, it's a short poetic story, which will be in an upcoming book to be published by Sage the Poet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I would love to hear some feedback and response to hearing that piece from you. Thank you. All right, well, I'll analyze that piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, it reminds me of you know Beethoven because he was deaf. So mm. like, okay. Yeah, and when you said that the mind died of a broken heart because he could not hear or speak, and so I was thinking that mm. he was a deaf mute, and then mm-hmm. my mind had went back that minds must purposely be you know deaf mute. They can't hear. They, I did not know, and that's a new thing for me. I did not know that minds could not hear. I knew that they, mm-hmm. you know, made this, you know, sign language, you know, and they couldn't speak, but I didn't know that they couldn't hear either. And oh, well, let me let me be discreet with saying I chose for the particular mind that I wrote about to not be able to speak or to be able to um, hear. So that was uh, my choosing, it, but, you know, not to... Uh, say that that's for all mimes, but the one, uh, Mr. Jones, in that particular short story, that was the way it came to me as I wrote. 
this story. All right. So you made Mr. Jones the mind to be purposely, you know, deaf and right. Exactly. Um, all right. And so, and also continuing, then the people, you know, they had gotten so used to, you know, Mr. Jones the mind being on that particular street corner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so that's why they had came to see because they was, you know, he was like a landmark, a human landmark. Yes. Yeah. So true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when they didn't see him anymore, of course, they're going to question, you know, what happened. And they hear him die of a broken heart. You know, the people, you know, they wanted, people didn't believe that it was possible to happen. Did someone, mm-hmm. you know, die of a broken heart? Mm-hmm. If somebody gets their heart broken over something, they figured they'll just, um, they'll move on. They'll continue in their life. But Mr. James, I mean, Mr. Jones being a mind. You know, and, right. Uh, and the people, basically, the people were, he was helping the people and they were helping him as the vice versa, you know, energy. Mm-hmm. So true. You caught, but, you were able to get the undertones. Like, you know, sometimes people just read things surfacely and they don't get to the undertones. They don't disclose what the undertones are. But you did that. So well done on your um your your perception and and the analytical um perception and work that you achieve in review of that piece thanks you're welcome and then I want to comment on you know Mr. James he mm-hmm. was a new mind, so even though mm-hmm. we're happy to have another you know mind, but it's gonna take some time to get used to Mr. James. Because he's right. probably not going to do the same acts as Mr. Jones. Exactly. I, yes, you hit it right on the nose. You know, it's like, you know, often imitated but never duplicated, that thing. <laughs> you know, you're glad to have somebody there. You know, like you said, uh, Mr. Jones was that human landmark, and you want, you know, it not to be vacant. But, you know, that corner is not vacant anymore. But you know, it's going to take some adjusting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and so, and then overall, minds in general, they, you know, they're imitating, you know, they're live art imitators. <laughs> yes, indeed. That's true. And I found yeah. it quite interesting. Um, I shared that piece with a friend of mine that's an artist. Mm-hmm. They're not a mime artist or pantomime artist, but they are an artist. As for um, abstract art, real life portraitures, painting, all of that, and um, they asked me. They said, um, "I just want to ask. Um, uh, I noticed the name of the mime that died has the same last name as me." <laughs> they were wondering, this, <laughs> "Was that intentional?" And I felt so bad because honestly. That was the farthest thing from my mind when I came up with the name John mm-hmm. and James, Jones and, and then James. James. Yeah, it's just, and, you know how and, things and, just come to you? I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking that one of my close friends is an artist. <laughs> you know, I didn't. So I had to console them mm-hmm. after, you know, they read because they liked the piece. But it was like, mm-hmm. wow. Like, did you? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, that's. What is the like, defamation of character and things? Right. It's like. 
<laughs> wow. It's like, you know, you just never know sometimes. Your mind, and that's another thing. It's like sometimes you think that you're always conscious. I think some things are subconscious that we do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're like just not, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they do subconscious, you know, they're waiting inside the hippocampus. That's your memory storage. <laughs> right. And then there's that attractive force that's pulling them out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you forget that it's there. But they, uh, they did because they just literally, they just uh, volunteered. They just went to your hippocampus and decided to stay there. <laughs> right. It's just, wow, how mm-hmm. things happen. Yeah. Totally unplanned. <laughs> yeah. And then somebody comes out of reality, did you write this about me? <laughs> right. They they don't know any better. They're just going by what they're hearing and seeing. It's like yeah, and, and it, it applies to them, and you don't know it. But mm-hmm. that attractive force, you know, somehow sunset, you know, where these um, subconscious was hiding, you know, and so right. they, you know, pulled them out. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But yeah, that was a lovely piece with the mind. And Thanks. the people, yeah, and the mind was also like a therapist, you know, for the people that came to see him. That's right. How about that? Mm-hmm. How about and that? Art. And that, yeah. now I think that's an undertone, too, because art is a healing salve. It really is. Yeah, and then Mr. Jones, that they're doing his acts, and there is a person who's just a person who had a problem, and then they went to go see Mr. Jones, and he was doing all the, you know, the gestures, you mm-hmm. know, and it helped heal them. You know, it gave them a solution to that problem. How about that? You know, just like tonight with Reggie Morrow, where he, you know, took the picture of the, the sad wife, you mm-hmm. know, so the husband to see it, and then he saw it and understood. That's right. Yes, indeed. And that's wonderful you made that connection. Yes. And how he said, from the husband seeing that picture, after that experience, he noticed the change within that couple's relationship. So, yes, art imitates life, and art is definitely a healing salve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, you maybe take a picture of a vase, paint a picture of a vase, and then somebody comes along that, you know, needs help, and then that vase, you know, gives it to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that person, because what happened, that vase is a solution that's pulling out the problem. That's right. You're solving it. That's right. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. And, and it's helpful to a writer when they get uh, good feedback and response to a piece that they wrote, because it's also helping with, like, if you need to revisit that piece, you know, it might uh-huh. be something yeah. to add on, you know, or yeah. omit, you know, how will you know unless you share it and you have a listening audience? Mm-hmm. Other than that, you know, it's one-sided. It's just you and, and what you think, which isn't enough because when you're going to go before an audience, you need to be able to hear and and receive what they're thinking and vibe from that. Yeah, and one other thing too, um, not only that, but then when you're writing the story alone, the story you know also you know talks to you. Mm-hmm. I said about you know Thank my you. story. Yeah, you know, one of my novels taking me in a different direction and just literally just pulled me out of that pattern. 
And then mm-hmm. it's just, you know, dump these ideas down and say, you know, go this way, the other. And then one of the chapters that I find myself writing, when I think that I'm finished, that I'm not because there's more to tell. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the chapter and all, but it can be annoying. But the annoyance part is means that, you know, I'm not, it means that I'm not finished with it yet. Right. How about that? That's exactly what it means. And I have come to that conclusion after having written a piece. And then when I thought the period meant the end, I learned it was only the beginning. So sometimes, yes, we're finished, but the story is not finished speaking. <laughs> right. That story will wake you up. These ideas will wake you up and say, hey, here mm-hmm. I am, fighting. <laughs> That's right. You know, I belong here. When sometimes you know, I write and then I just, if I don't, then sometimes the ideas will tell me where they belong and sometimes I have to write them and weave them and find, you know, my own place to put the puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. I have some feedback from uh, Angel of Love in the chat room. She said, so so true. So true and with honesty. She's really gleaning from us tonight. Um, as she had shared earlier on in the chat room, uh, she has so many books and story ideas mm-hmm. in her head that she collected over the years. And she just needed to know tonight that it's time for her to start writing these things out. Oh, and from, yeah, from our discussion now, she's going to do that. So we do want to give a big shout out to Angel of Love. Angel of Love, this is coming from the host, Sage the Poet, and the co-host, Queen Zipporah Thelman. We're saying to you, write it out. <laughs> yes, and congrats, Angel and, of Love. Yes. From Queen Zipporah Thelman, yes. Mm-hmm. I yeah. second that. Yes, indeed. Um, sometimes we we never know. Mm-hmm. We never know until we write it out. Right all the potential that a story actually has or an article or a poem. Sometimes it's, yeah. it's a poem or a yeah, song, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it can be any, whatever, uh, you write down the ideas and then decide what form you want it to be. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'm going to go say good night for now. For okay, well, thank you so very much. And, you know, of course, we appreciate your love. Um, Queen Zipporah, we are so encouraged by all that you shared with us as well. And we just want you to know that um, you always give us much every week. You come with uh, articles that are profound. Uh, You share uh, excerpts from history. And it's always meaningful. It's always something that we need. And we just appreciate you. And from my heart to to your ears and from the Almighty's mouth to your heart, just continue doing what you love. The benefits are great. And even though some things you've been waiting on have not all taken place just yet, (laughs) know that they are soon to spring forth and because you've been diligent and just uh, continuing on this journey, you're going to reach your destination. That's what's key, never stopping. Right. And also, you know, I 
but I want you to know that I enjoyed that mind, you know, poem. Mm. Thank you so much. And you know what? Another um, truth that I found, um, like a hidden pearl in that poem, is sometimes uh, just because someone transitions and leaves us, you know, of course we know a lot of people are still mourning over the death of, we had Billy Paul, uh, the crooner from Philadelphia that was renowned, well-known for his uh, love R&B ballad classic entitled Me and Mrs. Jones. Um, He transitioned not too long ago and then Prince. And it seemed like they both kind of uh, transitioned in the same weekend. One was Friday and then the next step uh, Sunday. But um, I always say, you know, love and music and art is forever, just like the souls of everyone. So with that being said, it's like they just left us in one form, and now they're in the spirit world. And, And in that form, it's an eternal flame. Your soul lives on. So it's like you go from one life to the next. So for those mourning, I hope that that comforts you. And just keep in mind they left you with um, gifts that will never fade or or tarnish. Music and art are forever. So um, when you hear the music by those icons, just know that what they did was for, for the love, of their fans, everything they performed, all the music they composed, it was all for the love of their fans. And with that being said, to all the artists out there, your your writings, make sure that love is the motivating factor. If you're writing for the love of what you are as a whether you're a novelist, um, whether you're a fiction writer, fantasy writer, urban fantasy writer, urban fiction writer, uh, classic writer, um, poet, whatever. Do it for the love of the art, and thereby you will master the craft, and you will be remembered for all time. All right. Well, okay. Good night. Good night, Queen Zipporah. And um, we will meet again next Tuesday, same time, same uh, talk show network. <laughs> all right. All right. And you have a good evening as well. And thank you as well for you all you share. All right. You're welcome. And good night to everyone in Radio Land. This is Queen Zipporah Thelman signing off from episode 111. The reception of school on Tuesday, May 24, 2016. Yes, indeed. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to hear another poem, and then we're going to wrap up tonight's show. This poem is entitled, Where is Justice? And this is an original poem by Sage, the poet.
without risking to an industry which creates job opportunities for whites. Since Lincoln was supposed to have freed the black man a hundred years ago, and today the black man, according to the government economist, has spending power of $20 billion per year. Please know that with the black man spending $20 billion a year, not setting up any businesses, not creating any industry, not creating any job opportunities for his own kind, he's not in a moral position to point the finger today at the white man and tell the white man that he's discriminating against him by not giving him a job in factories that he has he himself set up. If the black man has $20 billion, and these so-called Negro leaders are such geniuses that they can integrate white restaurants and integrate white factories and integrate parts themselves in the river to white men set up, they should use that same ingenuity to show the black people how to pull our wealth and set up something of our own. And then we won't have to force our way into his anymore. One more thing I would like to point out concerning what he said about 125th Street. We don't waste our time on 125th Street, but you can reach more people in the street who want to change than you can in the bourgeoisie society, the bourgeoisie church, in the bourgeoisie circles. We are programs directed toward the man in the street. So we spend our time in the street, and what we do with that man, instead of trying to change the white man in your mind, make, make you accept us, we change the mind of the black man and make him accept himself. And as soon as he accepts himself, he'll solve his own problem. He won't be trying to force himself into your factory and into your bedroom and into your kitchen.
That concludes episode 111, The Exceptional Scribble Show. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. And as always, I bid you 
peace, love, and good health. And always remember this. You are your best. Whether you've noticed it yet or not, you are your best. So love on you. And in so doing, that same love will extend far and wide onto others. Keep love alive, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to close out tonight hearing Glory performed live, Common and John Legend, Glory from Selma. Listen, enjoy, be inspired, and keep in mind that, of course, we know the struggle is not over, but the war shall be won. One day, when the glory comes, it will be all. It will be all, oh, one day, when the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, glory, glory, oh, glory, oh, 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 no man, no weapon. Become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is just a position in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son dies, spirit is revisited in us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walk through Ferguson with our hands up. When it goes down, we woman and man up. They say stay down, and we stand up. Shot three on the ground, the camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop, and we ran up. One day, when the glory comes, here will be ours. Here will be ours. Oh, one day, when the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, glory, oh, 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 Crowd. They march with the torch, we gon' run with it now. Never look back, we the 
gone hundreds of miles from dark roads, heroes, you become a hero, face of the league of justice, power was the people, enemy and season were king, became ego, saw the face of Jim Crow under a ball ego, the biggest weapon. It's the state people. We sing. Our music is the cuts that we bleed to. Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany. Now we right the wrongs in history. No one can win a war individually. It takes the wisdom of the elders, young people's energy. Welcome to the story we call victory. The coming of the Lord. My eyes have seen the glory. One day with the glory it will be ours. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.